Hey guys, brand new podcast, and uh, it's a great one. I always say it's a great one, and this is really great. It's uh, Obviously, it's Natasha and Moshe. If you don't know who they are, then I will talk to them about them in the two seconds um, towards the end of this podcast. But let's get in touch with each other. The Kreischer family is going hard in the paint when, with family love. Am I right, Leanne? We are. We are doing everything together. It's been a blast. We were in Hawaii. We were in San Fran. We were in... Uh, what should we call it? Sacramento. Sacramento. Palm we Springs. Palm Springs. And then we went to Splash City. Uh, or Soak City. Soak City. It was really fucking great. It, it was, was awesome. It's been really great. Yes, it has. I'm really looking forward to Leanne's podcast coming out. I know I've been promoting it a lot. And when it comes out, trust me, I will... I will sh- I will share that with you. And Leanne's really excited, and she went to a big party the other night, and all the women involved that have been a part of it have been really excited. And I think it's really cool. I- I'm really proud of her. Thanks, babe. I'm saying that because we have a male a husband and wife couple on the podcast today. And the whole time I was thinking, this is not our relationship in the slightest. It would be interesting. I think probably more interesting for me to be m- married to Moshe, only because he's so... He's such a fascinating fucking guy. Yeah. He really is. He's so smart and he is liberal and he's liberal in like the most truest sense of the word of like love. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying conservatives are against love, but like he really is an empathetic guy and he's a comic so we see things from both sides. And and Natasha literally just chimes in and says the funniest fucking thing ever. Man, me and her could not be more different human beings. Really? You'll hear that in the podcast. It is funny. Like I tell her about getting weird when I come into the man cave and... Just get weird. She didn't get weird? No, the best is in the middle of the podcast. Moshe's like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. Can we stop down? And I go, no, just piss in the yard. And her eyes lit up. She's like, excuse me? (laughs) I was like, yeah, this is a bro's house. You piss in the yard. And Moshe lit up like, I get to piss in the yard? Uh, And she was like, what does your wife say? I go, she fucking married me. You kidding me? (laughs) This weekend, Orlando at the Orlando Improv on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, then New York City for the Skanks Fest. On the 26th, fuck it. I'm going to reveal it, everybody. I'm doing Jesus and Miro. I'm so fucking excited. This is a show that is so bingeable online. I- I've watched it. I've watched a TV show, of course. But, man, I get stuck on these guys. They are so fucking funny. You should check out the one with LeBron flaming that kid on the, just dunking on some fucking... Dude, they're fucking hilarious. Check them out. Go on their YouTube channel. Subscribe. And just start binge-watching them. And then... Wait for me, by the way. Uh, spoiler alert. Adam Richmond did one of my favorite hot wing shows. It's coming out soon. Nice. Adam Richmond, Man vs. Food. Shout out to Adam Richmond. Shout out to Jesus and Miro. <laughs> uh, Omaha on the 30th. I am going to be there, Omaha, for a call and stick to work show. It is sold out. If you wanted to get tickets, call the club day of and see if there's any no shows. Uh, ask if it if it makes sense for you to show up if there's a no show, uh, and if not, just stay and party. So there's a bar. We're doing uh, we're doing Todd and Tyler. This is all Leanne hears right now. Is great after he comes back from Oklahoma at the casino. He's going to be a fucking mess. We've got the Oklahoma. I think it's the Calusa Casino on the first of July. Is that correct? Calusa is it Calusa? Yes. Columbus, Ohio, the seventh eighth of July. Pittsburgh. These make Leanne angry. 20th, 21st, 22nd of July, followed by Cleveland at Hilarities, 27th, 28th, 29th of July, August. We've got Houston Brea Phoenix in the last three weeks of August. Then my big Australian tour, starting with Singapore on the 9th, Perth on the 12th, 11th of September, 
Um, Sydney on the 13th, Melbourne on the 14th, Sydney on the 16th, Brisbane on the 18th. Australian mates. I don't know if that sounded, it didn't sound probably right. Didn't hey, sound Australian. It didn't sound Australian. No. Hey, dear fellow Austra- uh, comedy podcast lovers, uh, listeners to this on Australia, please, please, please spread the word. I'd like to sell these tickets. I know that it's tracking well, but I want to sell it out. Uh, by the way, my buddy Tommy Buns is going to be there in August, so make sure to check out his dates there in August. See both of us. It's, we're both very funny and very different comics. Tacoma, Edmonton, Chicago. DC is the last week of September. Impractical Jokers Cruise, my birthday week, first week of November. That's all you need to know about us. Real quick, I'm going to read off to you Natasha and um, and Moshe's dates. They are doing a, a tour. It's called the F- Endless Honeymoon Tour. It starts uh, July 19th. That's Isla's day after Isla's birthday. Very good. Hmm. Day after. In New Orleans. 22nd in Atlanta. 23rd in Miami. 28th in Montreal. 29th in Boston. 20, the 2nd in Brooklyn. The 3rd in Philly. They're doing the truck. That'll be sold out. Get your tickets now. 5th in Milwaukee. 6th in Chicago. The 8th, August 8th in Minneapolis at the Women's Club. Uh, go to NatashaLegero.com or MoshaCasher.com. I think that's Moshe's. I don't know. Listen, it is very um, it is very special when the listeners of this podcast happen to run advertising firms at companies I'm in need of. I said out loud on this podcast, I don't know if you heard this, but I said something about my back and about my bed and how I hate the fuck that I always dig lumps into my bed, that we got these expensive fucking beds, like through the roof, expensive beds. We went through three of them. Not a bed, a mattress. Mattress. I'm sorry, mattress. Mattress. And after six months of sleeping in it, there was a body mark in it. And then they became uncomfortable because you have the Great Wall of China dividing me and my wife, which would be fine if it was four feet high and she didn't hear me snore. But the truth is, it's just high enough to screw up my fucking shoulders so that if I lay on my right side, my arm is jetted up like I'm Heiling Hitler. And if I lay on my left side, it's over my eyes like I'm dabbing. So it, they drive, you know what, you don't know what a dab is? No, I don't know what a dab is. It's when the kids do this. A little dab will do you? No, it's, you, don't you really that? don't know what a dab is? I, I, I know, yeah, I know what a dab is to me. No, I know what a little dab will do you is. Oh, do you? Anyway. That's from Dippity-Doo. You know I literally said, can I get a mattress sponsor? I said it out loud in the podcast. Mm-hmm. The next day, we got a call from Casper Mattresses. And I was, I was extremely nervous because initially getting, like, getting rid of your mattress is a really big deal. Because you're like, you know, I'm afraid. it's almost like getting out into a new relationship. Because you're like, I'm, I know what I'm in right now. I know it hurts. But I've had good nights. Maybe I just need a feather bed. Maybe I just need to put a piece of wood under this. Maybe I need to, to you know, doctor this up. Well, the thing is, too, you kind of like to test drive a mattress. So That's the scary know. part. And, and by the way, the mattresses we bought, three of them, in the past two places we've lived, we bought one in our old house. We bought a new one for the house when we got here. And then we bought a new one again in this house. Each mattress is over $3,000. Yeah. Now, that may sound like a lot because... I thought to myself, hell, I'd spend twenty grand for a good night's sleep. I spend ten night hours a night, eight hours a night in this bed. It should be fantastic. And then they sent a box. It showed up in a box, dude. UPS guy drops it off. Yeah, a it mattress. was awesome. And I, I once again, I got nervous. 
oh, shit, man, there's no way a boxed mattress is going to be Burt Kreischer's fancy. And then I checked the price tag of what they sent us. I was like, okay, secondly, this is affordable. I got so nervous about the fact that it was affordable and it arrived in a box and Leanne was so excited. No, I heard these are fantastic mattresses. Because they're memory foam. Yeah. And memory foam is amazing. Memory so. foam is uh, has Alzheimer's when it comes to leaving body dents in it, like <laughs> these other mattresses that we've been getting. That's a bad joke. but It is sort of a reach, but so, okay. So our, our gardener comes over, sees that we have a Casper's mattress and lights up, asks what we're doing with our old mattress, and I tell him it's broken. There's two body dents in it. He says, literally... If you take it in the alley and leave it in the alley, it'll be gone before I'm done mowing your lawn because people want mattresses. And, so, and that's an expensive one. It looks expensive. Drop it out. Put the Casper on. We lay on it both initially. And I was like, okay, there's got to be a catch to this. I don't. I just was, I was scared. Fucking love this mattress. It's a great mattress. The girls jump in our bed every fucking morning. Go on my Instagram. You'll see the pictures. This mattress is the most comfortable mattress in our house. It's really great. It is fantastic. I slept last night unassisted, by the way. No no booze or drugs or alcohol or whatever. And I had the greatest night's sleep of my life. Yeah, memory foam mattresses are typically extremely expensive as well. And this is very affordable mattress. And I screwed up. When I ordered the mattress, I ordered a king-size mattress. But we have a California king. And all I had to do was uh, was let Casper Mattress know, and they exchanged the mattress for free because all returns are free in the U.S. and Canada with Casper. So if you don't like it, you can sleep on it for, I think they're, they have like a 100-day test drive kind of thing. And if you don't like it, then you can return it for free. I mean, it's kind of risk-free. I love it. I really love this mattress. I will stand behind this the same way I do the other products that you know that I rant and rave about. I'm not going to say other products in the middle of this beautiful Casper no, Reed. No, but, man, you know the products I like and you know the products I support. And trust me, I am behind Casper mattresses. Well, the thing is we, we really actually use the stuff that we talk about. We actually are sleeping on this mattress every single day. Burkast for life. So great. Burkast branded is my new shirt. Nice. Yeah, if you if you rock our gear, you get a free Burtcast branded. Oh, good. You oh, send good. me a tweet. One we'll more make, shirt I got to make. Yeah, one more awesome. shirt. You could buy one of our T-shirts on our website if you like. Burtcast is supported by Casper, offering an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. And when I say shockingly, you're talking to a guy who's overpaid for mattresses nonstop. I'm telling you, if and when, if ever... I get done with this Casper mattress. I'm simply just going to buy a new one the way I do my running shoes. I'll buy the, I I'll buy the same one. But I, I, I mean, I've had a memory foam pillow for 25 years. The same memory foam pillow. But my point is, I don't know that memory foam wears out. No, I'm saying if, like someone, if a dog pisses on it or if oh, I piss on if it. If a dog pisses on it, we're going to have big problems. With over 20,000 reviews on Casper, Amazon, and Google, and an average of 4.8 stars, it is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Casper mattresses su- combine supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And we've tested that bounce out. <laughs> we have? Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Did you hear that? Free shipping and return 
to the U.S. and Canada. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund everything. Mattresses are designed and developed and assembled in the USA. Special offer for you, our BurtCast listeners, right now. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash BurtCast and using the promo code BurtCast. That's B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. Terms and conditions apply. I'm serious, guys. I love this fucking mattress. I'm really happy with it. I love it too. Yeah, I don't. And, and uh, so use that code Burtcast at Casper dot com slash Burtcast and get fifty bucks off. And uh, if you don't like it in hundred days, uh, don't call me. Call Casper. They'll pick it up for free. <laughs> All right, let's start rocking. Um, by the way, we do have those giving out spanking shirts, the tank tops. I will be selling them at shows exclusively, unless Leanne changes her mind on wanting to ship them. No words. Well, I have to get them on the website first. That's the challenge. It's not the shipping. It's the getting it on the website. So, so. if you want, if you want, come to one of my live dates. They've been selling out first before any shirts because they're fantastic tank tops. The smalls go quickest. So I think there's going to be a lot of chicks posting pictures and uh, giving out Spankin's tank tops. For those of you who don't know the band I was in in college, I kicked out the guitarist he formed the band Creed. The name of our initial band was Giving Out Spankin's. Wouldn't it be funny if like a preschool teacher just wore that shirt? Yeah, probably she gets sued. You think so? Oh, fun. Today's culture? All right, let's start this podcast. And by the way, that's a fitting conversation topic because we do talk about social justice warriors. We talk about uh, Evergreen College. We talk about comedy a lot. And uh, this is a good one. You guys are going to absolutely love this. Is there anything I forgot to mention except for Laughable? Go to Laughable. Try the app. Laughable app. Go to the App Store. Download it. It's the best way to listen to podcasts. It really is because... Today, you can listen to Natasha and Moshe, and you can go to Moshe, and you would find very quickly that Moshe was on Joe Rogan, and that is a fantastic fucking podcast. You can find all the podcasts they've been on, and been on. you can follow them, and then follow all the, the podcasts that they are going to be on, their own podcasts, and, and I think shortly, if not, Ned, correct me if I'm wrong, everyone hit up Ned at Laughable and let him know what's going on. I think soon you're going to be able to buy tickets to these guys on, on Laughable. And that's when it's going to fucking be fucking amazing because you'll hear someone like this Natasha and Moshe on here and go, shit, I want to go see their tour. And then just click their link, click their tickets. Bam. Can you do that yet? Let's see if you can do that yet, Ned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on your thing right now, Ned's like, dude, you, you should have waited. This is why I should have talked to you on the phone on Thursday. I'm very sorry, um, Ned, to be dead honest with you. Um, my life's gotten away from me a little bit this last week. Who's Ned? Ned, he owns Laughable. He's oh. our buddy got it yeah why can't i get that my phone's not working here we go maybe you should just wrap up this oh week. the laugh oh it's, fuck i got the laughable beta one it's the one only ned gave us go to laughable download it check out the podcast it's a great way to download podcasts keep them on your phone um all right that's it are you ready ready let's start the bird cast ladies and gentlemen Natasha Legero and Moshe Kasher. This is They won't like the dog. That'll bother them. And that's like a bad way to start it off. Um, here, grab that mic right next to you. That's my wife. Oh, she's so cute. Now, yeah, back then she was. The, uh... <laughs> Wait, are we going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you get rid of the one that says 
No, no, no. Of course I didn't. Where is the, it? Which one? The oh, there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here, talk it. Let me. Yeah. Everyone talking their things. Hi, it's so Hello, it's Natasha. Natasha, what a great name. Yeah. Natasha, yeah. did I hear you on a podcast? First of all, I have to say congratulations. Did we start? Yeah, we just started top four funniest women in comedy right top now. Top four. Top no. Four. You just saw, you mean you saw that L thing that just had me and Eliza and Christella and Tiffany Haddish on it? Yeah. That was, that was a, not top four women in comedy, but that's four, hilarious. It's top four women doing it. In, listen, no, this is top four. top four women with publicists who got on the cover of <laughs> that Listen, let me tell you article. something. There are a slew, a gang of bitches who are hating that article right now. Really? Of course. Wait, it Wait does, you I mean, think you misread it. It's no, not no, no, top no, no, four no. women in comedy. No, I miss. I did what everyone's going to do, and that is Eliza comes out and says, I'm the funniest bitch out there, and then all of a sudden... She's next to, inarguably, I'll say one of the one of the most up and coming movie stars right now in Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish is legit turning into a movie star. Legit. Okay. Easily one of the funniest women that I will say in the business, and that's you. Oh, by the way, a trailblazer, and then a young Latino comic who's who's in Cars Three. And in but she's. She's also had like her own sitcom a number she's of in times. Ton- she's in movies too, is she what had- I'm saying. Oh, I didn't know she was in movies, but Tiffany's like legit movies. But and then people are going to be Cars like, Three isn't legit. No, yeah, in Cars Three in a fucking heartbeat. I mean, I would have done Cars Two, but to be I honest, have- I would have turned down Cars Three. <laughs> I still have a problem with with Christella, only because one time I told her, "Can you do 25 minutes? I have to take a shit." She did 15 minutes, and I had to go on stage having not wiped my ass, and I'll never Ew. forget. <laughs> no Wait, shit, really? I had to do an hour. Wait, hold I on. An hour. Hold on. So you're it in. It takes the- you 25 minutes to take a shit. That's a great question, Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you so belong on the cover of that magazine. <laughs> now, first of all, it was not the cover of the magazine. Wait, who do you, do you know? know? Bert, by the way, Bert last year in L got uh, top four longest shitters in comedy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wait, Bert. Though, who do you know who's mad about that article? No, they're not mad about that article. They're mad that Eliza came out and said what she said last week or whatever, right? I mean, we can all talk. We can be honest. You don't have to comment. I'll comment. All right. Eliza said what she said last week about. Yeah, she did. About she said that. Yeah, and she was in Mexico. That's fucking ruins a vacation, in my opinion. <laughs> That's all I could see was that the whole time you're like, fuck. I got to check my Twitter feed. I can't enjoy. She the- didn't seem to care. She, of course, she cared. Of I mean, course. of course she cared, but it didn't seem to ruin her. She didn't back down. She didn't back down, but she definitely cared. I was in Hawaii four years ago. Four years ago, and. Uh, Tracy Morgan's doing Ask Me Anything, and someone says, so what's it like smoking PCP with Burt Kreischer? And he said, first of all, I don't know the man. That never happened. I wish he'd stop telling the story. Ruined my trip. Like, I, cause I, oh, then because I go, people were accusing you of lying? Lying. And then I'm, uh-huh. like, I'm like, it's true. And then I call, I call Tony Woods. Tony's like, I'm in fucking New Zealand. What the fuck are you calling me for? Uh, right. And I'm like, I'm in Hawaii. I'm fucking spinning out you of control. You just called whatever black guy you had in your phone? Like, <sighs> No, Tony Woods was there that night. Can you night. help me? Tony Woods was there that night. And I'm like, Tony, I need you to back me up on Twitter. He's like, shorty, I'll do whatever you want. But, uh-huh. like, but, <laughs> but when you put out, when you get, man, I do not look at my phone on vacation. I learned that lesson after that. I do not look at my phone because... One person says something negative to you or someone says something negative in a podcast about you and it spins you out of control. And I love you, Eliza. You know that. But I will say that Eliza's normal just like all of us. And she she saw that and she saw girls going hard in the fucking paint at her. Yeah, they were. They're going hard in the pussy juice. You do not have to comment on this because I understand that this may be really close to everything in your career because you are – you. she is. We'll say this. One of the – 
top people in the game of comedy, despite your sex. Me or Eliza? You. Oh. You. A hundred percent. You were like, how? I'm not going to, I don't but I won't justify it. But so you don't have to say much, but I will say that uh, that article then came out the next week and Eliza must have been like, read that bitches. I mean, a hundred percent. And then you've I, heard people be mad about it. Not, no, not. No, I haven't actually. No, I just only about Eliza. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. I see. So yeah. you are. So people aren't like angry about this L thing that no, our publicist so. all got us. No, I don't think so. It is very good timing, though. Very funny timing. It's amazing. Women in comedy issue. I mean, it's just very funny. And Eliza's like, I'm. By the way, I'm one of the only five chicks in the business doing it right. And then, oh, by the way, these are the other three. <laughs> <laughs> she should have put that in the art in the interview. You Notwithstanding you know the was, three people okay, in my L. I'll be interview. real. Once again. You, I do not want to put you in an uncomfortable situation to be on my podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want, Moshe. I know you, but like, and I, but I won't. I don't want to ask you to be. A, you know, she was talking about Amy, really. No, I don't think there's oh, hundred fucking percent. She was talking about Amy Schumer, really. A hundred fucking percent. Yes. Oh God, yes. That's what she was. And so, like, no, I, first of all, she said she walks into the improv. On any given day, Amy Schumer's not up at the improv. Oh, by the way, okay, well, so they so I mean, she, sure so she, she hand coded the phrase. What she was because because Eliza doesn't walk into the improv and watch any woman set at all. She's t- saying well, technically she's waiting for her her part. She's her- t- well, you know they don't back book chicks back to back. That's not true. <laughs> Listen, the, I guarantee you, she's like I watched your Netflix special, bitch. I didn't like it. Watch mine. Tell me I'm not the fucking master. That's what I think that was coming out of. Interesting. Ah, yeah, I read into it, but everyone's going to read into it. Well, I didn't understand what pussy jokes she was talking about exactly. Also, what's wrong with a pussy joke? joke? I, that's, yeah. that's the absurd part. Is like, and and I and I think the the thing that people took umbrage with. I mean, I'm not thrilled that we're talking about this, but I think the thing we'll that, change, people, we'll that people took umbrage with was a, well, there was a lot of layers to the to the statement. A lot of amazing layers. First of all, World War II, not a deep cut. Every comedian in comedy has a World War II joke. <laughs> the most famous war of all time. By the way, I mean, by the it week. was the World War. So like, so like. I'm going to stop, put a pin in this. The one thing I said to my wife, we're walking the dog, and I said, uh, I said, I so badly want to talk about their projects they're working on, but I don't want to ever fuck because I really do like everything that you guys create, make. I'm really envious in a, in a positive, inspirational way that you guys seem to forge your own path with your own voice in this business. But she's like, what do you want to talk? And I go, I go, I kind of wish, like, I kind of wish, like, Moshe's the kind of guy that I. Like, what's it like to be married to a comic? What, do you guys get to pick apart life together? Because my wife, I, t- I can't talk to her about the Eliza show. I can't talk to her about uh, anything that's going on in my business that I'm passionate about and I love. My wife's just like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Well, we're very passionate about Eliza. <laughs> As a couple. Well, we have what's called... We've been talking al- about her for a long time. Right, we, have a, we have a marriage and a family that's sort of based in Eliza. You know, in, in the way that many people have family Crazy. based in Christ... <laughs> Ours has always been and always will be truly yeah. based in confirmed kills confirmed and kills. and war paint. I mean, those are sort of the two the, the Old Testament and New Testament of our relationship. Wait, yeah. so you're saying you're jealous because we can talk about comedy oh, like, together? Like just when he said that, when he said first of all, a World War. Like I read that, I didn't, I didn't. I was like, all I all I read was, I don't know anything about World War Two. I don't have that in my act, definitely. And so I was like, okay, I'm probably one of those pussy joke comics, <laughs> like, but on the male side, you know. <laughs> well, I will say, I I have love for Eliza. I, I do. I, I love I, Eliza. I, I, I don't I hate her at all. And I think she's a, I think she's a good comic and a, a strong comic. And and like, I I just think that like what that statement was was it pulled really what it was. It, 
in my opinion, is it pulled a string that has been pulled by male comedians and male pundits and Christopher Hitchens and Jerry Lewis and yeah. for like 40 fucking years the trope of like women aren't funny they, which we they, all know and have proven isn't true yeah the exactly. same percentage it's, just, it's like it's saying women bullshit. aren't artists it and doesn't I, make sense I yeah. think that her pulling that string even though she is a, a but she didn't say women aren't funny no but it was a str- what I'm saying is it was a metaphorical string it was like a an alarm bell that w- female comics have heard for the past 40 years since they started the belly room and were like all the girls go there and Sandra Bernhardt said go fuck yourself I'm not doing that yeah like I don't think that Eliza knew that she was pulling that string but she but she was and so the she, you you know there's this state there's this idea in social justice warrior circles that like you and I'm not sure I believe it but it's an interesting idea which is that you're not responsible for your it doesn't your intent does not equal impact does that make sense like it does what make you sense. mean when you say when you mean i want to empower these women and you mean i i'm saying this so that i think women can i don't know what exactly the statement was supposed to mean it doesn't matter because what really matters is what people experience when they hear it so i think that's what went wrong <laughs> it's the same thing with, like people say stuff about trigger warnings and they go trigger warnings are ridiculous and I, there is a part of me that goes yeah but there is shit that people could say out loud that would definitely fuck my day up like i don't like i don't like hearing about balloons or clowns and right. just don't bring it up 100 percent day up if someone talks about a balloon not no, no but they don't fuck my day up but like if someone like if isla has a balloon in the car like this we came back from san francisco she got a balloon at her culmination ceremony and she kept it with her and i found out it was in the car and i was in the car like fuck like I, it makes me really uncomfortable i don't like balloons i really don't like balloons <laughs> So, so like, I'm, and I know I'm, I'm trivializing so in, this, no, but, but in your world, it's why I don't tell rape jokes, really, because I go, <laughs> yeah, in your world, clowns and balloons are that's your rape. That's my, that's yeah, my, yeah, that's I your got, rape. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I think I think there's an exact number of male comedians that are that any male comic could go. Look, I go into the comedy clubs and all I see are dick jokes and fucking loud talking and pussy this and you know and f- f- b- black people this and you know. M- and I'm, it's the identical same portion, you know. And by the way, which is so funny is like I hung out with Attell and he was like, I don't like these fucking storytellers. Uh-huh. By the way, that's all I am. I'm really, I've really just turned into just telling stories now. But I didn't take that as an insult to me. I was like, clearly he hasn't seen my act in a while. Uh-huh. You should watch it now. It's gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> because no punchlines, just a bunch of emphasis and faces. And I was like, okay, it sounds a lot closer to my act now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> emphasis, faces. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I was like, wait, uh, please don't say takes his shirt off. Please don't say takes his shirt off. <laughs> but, uh, I don't like these machines. The yeah, but I did my last hour special with my shirt off. Oh, okay. cool. I, this is what I think we do ourselves. Everyone in comedy does themselves a disservice when they try to suss out what's good and what isn't in comedy. I've, I've always hated that, and this has always been true for me. Any, and, and because I came up both in the club scene and the alt scene, I've been, you know, sort of privy to both sides' interpretation of what isn't comedy, right? So when I'm at the comedy store, I get to hear all about what isn't comedy in the alt-comedy world. When I'm yeah. in the east side doing a bar show, I get to hear, like, their thing is, you know, is the, the comedy store. I, I always hear, like, oh, the comedy store sucks. Like, oh, cool. When's the last time you were there? Yeah. I've never really been there. I just hear this sort of idea that it's like a racist. It's the whole thing is bullshit, right? It's like why does anybody need to figure out what comedy is or isn't? All you got to do is sit down and watch. Are you laughing and is it does it feel good? Yeah. That's oh, it. I said this to I said this to our I was talking to Ari and Tripoli the other day and I and you know I'm very new to this store. Uh like within the last year I think I started working there. And um 
And I'd always wanted to. I thought that that is really where my home was. I never felt that the improv was never really where I belonged. I'd n- I've never felt comfortable at the Laugh Factory ever once. I was like, oh, that's where, that'll be my home. And then I got there and I felt very, very comfortable immediately. So many things were right up my alley. And then I started like going there enough where I started realizing you know, lazy habits in comics or bad habits in comics that I once would be like, oh, I love this. You know? And then I started going, oh, my job isn't to try to call them out. My job is to recognize that in them and then avoid those in my act and then take the guys I really respect and go, how do I get more like that? Like, how do I find – like, a perfect example is, like, Attell. I just realized that he has no fat on his act. Like, there's no fucking fat. No filler. Or no no uh, filler. No filler. Or, was he trying to say all killer, no filler? <laughs> <laughs> well, because fat seemed like a good thing for a second, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, Trigger warning. Sorry, guys. Okay. There's a right. bunch of fat, fat balloons. Like yeah. a fat balloon dick, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But, like, and so I think that's the way I look at it. And I think you were probably around. I never really hung out in the alt rooms at all, um, mostly because I was the thing they hated. I, and I definitely, by the way, at the time I was doing it, when alt the alt scene was big and blowing up. I was exactly what they disliked in comedy. Uh, and so... Which but, is what? Just uh, loud dick joke. You know what cops hate when you touch your faces. Ah, do this. Well, you know, like, it's, it's a getting out of a ticket joke. It's all the... I, I, I'm pretty embarrassed of my last hour. Not the one I just did, but the one before that. You're I supposed looked, to be embarrassed yeah. of your two, two hours ago. Yeah, exactly. But I just feel like I could paint a picture... Of the lousy version of an alt comedian. Okay. It's so easy. It's exactly. a guy in a plaid shirt with a notebook out. Who just has who references. References, barely saying anything, telling a meandering story like a five-minute story that you're like, oh, that was one joke. Oh, yeah. I see. If you took all the fat out, you would have one 30-second <laughs> tell joke that wasn't as good. And I could all paint an equally compelling picture of the lousy version of a club comedian. You know, yeah. the guy oh, yeah. that's like ladies. You know, anybody says ladies, you're out. But um, you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't mm-hmm. – it. it and it's all just like bullshit because it's who's good. Is Patton, is Patton a bad comedian? Is Brent Weinbach a bad? Obviously not. Is like, you know, the clubbiest of club comedians that's killing. I mean, you know, Attell, you know. Is, Attell's, Attell defines himself as a club comic. Yeah, so is Attell. It, it, none of it makes any sense. Attell's obviously a brilliant genius operating at the top of his game. So is Maria Bamford, right? Yeah. Uh, Louis C.K. is obviously a filthy, disgusting, like, blue pig. And Jerry Seinfeld is obviously a squeaky clean, like, master of the craft. Is anyone better in this yeah. of the four people I just met? No, they're all just they're all just comedians that are operating at the top of their game. And when we get to this, my opinion is when we get to this area where you're trying to suss out what's good and what isn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to gossip. I talk shit all day. I love gossiping. I, yeah, I mean, it's the best. I right? remember I remember doing podcasts when that was what they were. And that's Before what, people were listening. Good. And then I remember when they were listening and fucking watching my life just. Just everyone's like, dude, what the fuck did you say about me? I was like, I, 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 why? I said it in a podcast. I didn't know you listened to Jason Nash's podcast. Well, I don't know if you if you feel the same. I, I feel like really strongly about the fact that when I started comedy, which is probably how long have you been doing comedy? Eighteen years. I started when I was twenty six years old. I'm forty four, yeah. so eighteen years. Eighteen. We've been doing. We started in ninety. No. 2002. Yeah, about so about f- like 15 years. I've been do- okay. we, we've been doing it about 15 years. A similar amount of time. I feel like when most I, people. Yeah, there was like a, a group of people who all started in 2002. Totally. I'd be curious to find out what the cultural zeitgeist was that inspired people to get into comedy. Well, I will tell you this. Mine was a, very personal. As a dude that yours uh, was very personal. Yeah, like it wasn't. I didn't know anyone, or didn't know there was a scene. I just was like, oh, I'm from New York, and I saw someone do it, and I was like, oh, maybe that's a way to express myself. Really. 
Yeah. Now, did you want to get into acting before comedy or comedy before acting? Acting. Acting first. And then you were like, oh, I feel like I'm empty here. I need another, I need a, I need a space to feel full. Well, tell the full story. I need a place to feel full. (laughs) I think that, I think that some actors find comedy that way. For me, I was the guy that everyone was like, oh, you're the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. You should do comedy. I was the guy at the party doing the sprinkler dance. Like, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) I really was. So people told you your whole life you should do comedy. Yeah, yeah, but in in all fairness, I was was, was the first generation of sprinkler dancers. I was making up my own lawnmower, proctology, you know, whatever it was. Were you in a frat? Were you like the king of the frat? Hold on one second. I'm so sorry about this. I can't believe you don't know this. You know, in 1997, Rolling Stone magazine discovered me and called me the number one party animal in the country. (laughs) Wait, sidebar, I'm going to hear your story. The very the very first time I ever met Natasha, I'm, I do not know if you're going to remember this at all, but I said uh, it's when the club was the way, designed the way it was, and you're standing out there with two other comics. I don't what remember club? Who they were. Oh, the improv. Oh, okay. Improv. I come out. I get off stage, and uh, I said something. I go. Um, I said something to the effect of, in passing, you know, yeah, like I think every girl I've ever dated has been raped. And Natasha goes, excuse me? Wait, hold on. In passing? He's walking by. In passing. Oh, Natasha, great set, by the way. Every girl every day has been great. See you later. And and, and I go, and I said, and Natasha, right? Like, looking for her, she goes, no. She goes, I think that's odd that everyone you've dated has been date raped. I was like, for real? And she was like, yeah. Well, they've been raped at least one time by me. And then Natasha said, her eyes went in the back of her head. She goes, my brother says you're his favorite comic. He saw you the other night. And I was like, really? And you were like, yes. I like walked away. And I have like, zero memory of this, by okay, the way. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember well, it that's distinctly. because I had dropped something in your drink. <laughs> and I was sort of bringing her into your world, Bert. The first time I remember meeting you was on a plane. Oh, I remember that. But I, I had already known you. Okay. I had already known who you were, I at forgot least. about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your brother, and then I think I heard you on a podcast saying you have two brothers. Yeah, one's a musician that lives out here, uh-huh. and then the other drinks uh, natty light so he doesn't get throat cancer. <laughs> Sounds about That's right. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And by the way, I respect the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> that guy's got my kind of life plans right now. Mine is to stop my drinking. I'm going to stop ordering double Tito's and sodas. <laughs> I was like, I'll slow it down once one Tito's a day. Well, we got, yeah, right. We, you tried to get him other beer, right? Well, if you get him like Trader Joe's beer, it's like, Ugh! like it goes down. He's the esophagus wrong. Yeah. Like he needs to be uh, old Milwaukee. Cause I guess that's a very light beer. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't I'm know. Right. I don't drink beer. We could do a whole podcast about this, but <laughs> I, and I, by the way, I want to do a podcast just with your brother and talk about his lifestyles. Cause he's have, pretty, he, he's, he's, he can rough it. Yeah. Um, so wait, get into your story about how you got into comedy. Oh, well, I mean, it's not that interesting. I've said it a million times. Do you really attacked want- by a wolf. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was living here and I was, you know, trying to get an agent. I came from New York. I was bored. And then Tell I want the payphone story. <laughs> the payphone story. Oh, well, what's the payphone story? Well, didn't you have an agent that told you you were too short to ever make it as an actor in New York? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he was like, he made me. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Can I? Can I guess to see what it is? He made you take a picture on an Apple box in a payphone, <laughs> so you look six feet tall. Just, just. <laughs> Now 
wasn't, we're talking. He wasn't that interested in my career, no. He, uh, no, so I, I had to keep going back. And then finally, my third, after my third audition with him, he was like, okay, it's really great. He brought all the other agents in. He's like, call me at noon, and we'll, we've, we're all going to decide if we're going to sign you. And it's very hard to get an agent in New York. Like, yeah, yeah, impossible. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's happened. And then I called him from I was going to college at the time and I called him from, you know, the Upper East Side on a payphone, And he was like, hi, Natasha, it's Al Flanagan. Uh, I just had a long meeting with all of the other agents and we've just decided you're too short to ever make it. <laughs> <laughs> so I started like oh, having imagine. a breakdown on the streets We're of New York. Oh, it's and so then crazy. I started hyperventilating. Oh, he, and I remember he gave some other. He was like, "Well, you know, there's people like Holly Hunter, but you know, they're very rare, and it usually like doesn't happen." And oh. you know, and so then I just started like hyperventilating and like having like heaving, like because it was so important to me. Anyway, so so things like that would happen. And yeah. then uh, so then I was like, I'm moving to LA because I just could not get an agent in New York. Then I was moving. I moved here, and I was just you know auditioning for backstage. And then some girl I knew who went to my acting school in New York was like, oh, come see me at the comedy store in the belly room. And I just I always knew she was cool. And then I saw her and I was like, oh, her name is Melanie Vesey. And I was like, oh, you could just like stand on stage and like be a bitch. (laughs) Really? Like, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like I knew who Jerry Seinfeld was, but I I had no recollection. You didn't know there was different variations. No, like a scene. I didn't know about the alternative scene. And so then I uh, I just. I just tried that at the in the belly room and it went amazing and then I just kept doing it. Wow. Isn't that like sort of a, a link to what we were talking about earlier is like everybody when you try to define what is and isn't good comedy, that's the opposite experience that you have as an actual comedian, which is that you have these notions in your mind of what comedy is. You don't even know what it is. You just remember, oh, I used to flip through Comedy Central and I would watch like 30 seconds. I remember Patton Oswalt saying he looked like a lesbian. Turn the channel. Like that was, you know, that was about, and then like Dice Man come, uh, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay and like Raw. But that's I think about, that. That's, for me, I wasn't like a student of the game. Then you get to a comedy, then you get to an open mic or you get to a club, you get on stage, and then you go, oh, I can sort of, I have to apply these notions of what comedy is to whatever I can do. I can't, I can't be Seinfeld. I can't but be- I do think that a lot of kids out there, a lot of people who are starting, like if I would have seen people like Tig Notaro or Sarah Silverman, like I would have never even tried. Because I had I had no knowledge of that, you know what I, I mean? Like I'd be that, like, yeah. oh, these people are so great. So I think it's really hard when you when you do look at other comedians. That's what I'm saying. And then compare is, yourself. Is you to arrive them. to a, to a, an open mic and you get on stage and you realize all I can do is write the jokes that I can write. All I can do is cr- craft the act that I can craft. I can't be another thing. So and that's you know you see sometimes people who are skilled comedians but are like kind of hacky. Yeah. And when they realize that, have you ever met that person when you're uh, like, oh, they can't get out of the shell that they're in? See, I am obsessed with that. It's an interesting <laughs> idea, because, right? Yeah, because because uh, both Tom Segura and I have had this conversation. When we were young, um, we idolized to tell, idolized him. And I thought, and I really thought, I remember doing a storytelling show in New York when I'd been doing stand-up maybe, maybe six months, maybe Eight months, maybe not, maybe less than six months. I remember doing a storytelling show and telling three stories that made it onto my first hour special, if not four. 
th- four stories, one of which became very popular on Rogan, but three stories. And I was like, because storytelling, I was just like, I'll just tell the story. And I happened to tell stories funny because I grew up and I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. And then I remember going back to the comedy club and being like, I wish I could do that on stage. And then another guy that was there was like, I know, right? It seems like so much more fun, better way to do it. And then going back and doing what I thought my I thought comedy was, you know, like uh, set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. And and I think both Skur and I will admit openly that we mimicked so much of a tell, if not if not his writing style or his delivery style or his his point of view that it wasn't until like I was one until so late in the game that I was like, oh shit, I don't have to do it the way that everyone does. I can be me. And I and I think I just said, I'm going to get rid of all the bullshit on my act. All these set up punches that I've written that don't, there's just nothing, they don't even fit in my act. And I'm going to be myself. I think had I had a tad bit more respect, if, had Paul F. Tompkins and I not gotten into a fight, <laughs> I would have been a much better comic much faster. Because, Wait, so you, you, because you, you, lived, you lived your early comedy career in opposition Walking away from Paul F. Tompkins and towards Dave Attell. Yep, and 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 it, what stinks is I thought Paul F. Tompkins was so fucking smart in the way he did comedy. I really respected him. And what uh, happened? Hung out with him. Uh, he, hey, man, I'm sorry. You got to hear this, Paul. If you're hearing this, and this really sends you through the roof. But uh, balloons and clowns, motherfucker. Yeah. He, uh, I met him, and I and he was a drinker, and I was a drinker, and and so we and I saw so I saw his hour special that day, and then they called me to work with him. And uh, and I clearly and I don't just I don't work with him in an acting thing. No, or no, on do they had up. it was Je- Eddie Pepitone, Jen Kirkman, Howard Kramer, and Paul F. Tompkins. It was a night given to Paul to to headline, and he had all his friends booked. And then you got squeezed in. And then they called me, and they're like, "We want to have like a regular at the club on the show." So I went in to do it, and then Paul was very, in hindsight, he was very polite, but he kicked me off the show. He was like, <laughs> "I was promised one thing." But was the problem was that I'd hung out with him the night before, and I thought I had made a friend, and I that one that I respected immensely. And I was like, I watched him work. I watched all those guys work, and they're all alt comics, and I, they were all so fascinating at the way they approached the art form. I mean, I remember Howard Kremer did a uh, an, an Ahmad Rashad joke without telling anyone it was Ahmad Rashad. You had to <laughs> get it was Ahmad Rashad, and that they wanted to kill. Uh, Pat O'Brien. Remember Pat O'Brien yeah. was doing all those ra- – it was like so fucking – Howard's Jen, very funny. Yeah, Jen Kirkman had a joke that I, to this day is one of my favorite jokes, especially now that I'm in therapy. She was like uh, – her her ther- her friend was like, it sounds like you pay your therapist to win arguments. And Jen goes, I'm not paying him to lose. <laughs> and I was like – I was like, I, and it was like, you know, where you get welcomed in. And, and then the very next day I show up so excited to work with these four people again, so excited to watch them work, so excited to have beers afterwards. Wait, you did one – you did your set the first night and How then you came set? back like Saturday. It was, was great. Your set? It was you, great. You did well. Yeah, it was great. And then you came back. No one called you and then you came back. Like let's say that happened on Friday. You came back Saturday – for your spot. And and uh, they were like, this has gotten really uncomfortable. I'm sorry. And I was like, what? And they're like, you don't know? And I walked over and my name has been marked out of the lineup with a black magic marker. And I was like, were you? Um, That's where, pretty what, humiliating. What club was this? Very humiliating. Especially when you think you just made four new friends that, are, that you really respect. In this business, you know how that is when you're like, wow. Yeah. What club was this? Uh, improv. And in Hollywood. But in Hollywood, also, yeah. I don't understand why the improv is like, oh, Paul F. Tompkins, we need to put one of our comics up. That just seems weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, I can't defend anything, and I won't try to. I'm not going to try to slam Paul F. Tompkins. So what because, happened? But it just hurt my feelings, and and then I went on Jason Nash's podcast and talked about it, probably in a shitty way. Paul F. Tompkins said I was a liar, that that's not what happened, and I was like, all right. And then and then I ran into him one time, and I was like, I wanted to like, what, there was no beef really. I don't just think he just didn't like me, but because of that. 
I was like, well, I'm not going to go to the fucking alt rooms because these four people that I met that I thought I was all cool with really didn't like me. They were, I, I felt like a real fool is what I felt like. I mean, I felt like just a fool that I had been like duped. Especially because you liked them were so you much. The host? It's like, it's, you know were what you I the felt host? Like? No, I just did a set. I just did a set. And so, you know Have what you ever like? invited Paul on this, sh- on this show? No, uh-uh. I don't know. It's so weird. I, th- I find Paul to be the most like genteel, kind. Why don't you, you know, Unless him? you're not, unless you're not. Unless you, I mean, you guys are look opposites. like me. Yeah, if I, the idea that I have a man cave. You think Paul Tompkins wants to come into a man cave? Like he'd appreciate it. I don't think so. He in a- an ironic way, maybe. Like, <laughs> what, what do you think? He just hangs out in the same room that his wife is in all the time. No, no. he's got like an Oscar Wilde uh, dedication. <laughs> he has a sitting room, room yeah. but it's the same. <laughs> a, sitting idea. Room, a sitting room. No, but like, what you know? What I felt like, in all honesty, did you ever see the movie in, a, in the eighties? Whatever movie this is, where the not cool girl gets invited to the sleepover with the cool chicks and then she goes into the bathroom and realizes they're all talking shit about her and that they don't like her and that they she was the joke to them that's got to be pretty hard for rolling stone's number one party animal of 1992 uh maybe you have no idea how accurate that statement is (laughs) for a man who's making his living off of boozing and having a good time to meet four boozers that aren't frat boys was eye-opening like really, you gotta remember, I only knew dudes who did cocaine and drank that were like me. I didn't meet other people, and so Jen and I are cool. Howard and I are cool. Eddie and I are cool. Um, but and and but, but the Paul F. Tompkins thing stuck with me. So I think, and also maybe it wasn't about you as much as just being resentful that someone would tell you to book how to book your show. I'm certain that's what it was. You know, and I'm certain his frustration. I'd be I'd be annoyed too if someone was like, "You can book your show, but then we're going to put our person on." Like, yeah. that's obnoxious. A hundred percent. And by the way, I've been like I've your been people in a aren't funny enough. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, but I think that have you drove, been in this position? Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't like confrontation. So I. If someone says, um, hey, we put this person on the show, I go, cool. And then I try to find the good side in that person and, and try to be humble. Because I know for a fact that I've been in the other, that sometimes some kid gets on the show, gets shoved on the show. and uh, It's not and right. His, and his, it's not right and it's not a good fit and he's bombing. But it maybe just made his year that he's working with me. And so I know that. I understand that. And the fact that he gets to drink with me after the show and we hang out and some girl asks him to sign her tit and he's like, dude, this is the best night of my fucking life. I understand the responsibility of that. I'm not saying that Paul didn't at the time, but I'm just saying like... I have a feeling Paul doesn't get a lot of sign my tit requests as well. That doesn't seem yeah, like... Sure it. It's like sign my ass very different. We're very different grown men. I understand that. However... Wait, you have people sign your tits? I signed a tit last week. You signed tits? Or oh, you- I had some girl ask me if I, I could sign her titties. I've signed a tit. I yeah. sign tits all the time, yeah. but male tits. I actually, I will exclusively sign pussies <laughs> of female comedians. Which is so complicated. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's definitely, no one likes the request, yeah. but in the end, people usually come away from it really grateful that, that got, it went down. I got asked to sign a dick one time. Oh, really? And Did I, you do it? I 100% went in for the kill, <laughs> had it in my hand, and saw every phone come up, and I went, cannot be signing a dick right now. This is not something you want in your digital footprint. That's the one picture that'll come up is me with a cock in my hand. But uh, but yeah. But anyway, I think I think my, going back to our point is learning how to do it. I think because of that experience, I always felt uncomfortable at the UCB. Right. And so I never I never learned to explore my voice. I just went to. The, I really went on the road, kind of. By the way, the truth, the the conventional wisdom should be that every comedian could use some more club chops. Every alt comedian and yeah. every. 
club comedian could use some more alt chops. Like it, it, and by the way, alt and club, obviously, it's almost cliche at this point to say there's no difference anymore. Yeah. Because it's true. I mean, it's not like what Bill Burr is doing is like so insanely different from what Pat well, he, is doing. I would say I mean, he's crossing over a little bit. He's just he's funny. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, but I remember we yeah. did that New Year's show and it was like in San Francisco and it was like you and me and Rory and Pete Holmes and Hannibal maybe I think so and then it was just, and you went last and it was like it there wasn't it was There's just no a bunch real, of comics doing comedy well I think the thing that puts us all in common and, and this is the the thing that I think rides on both sides is being able to make strangers laugh 100% like if you can make a stranger laugh that's the key same thing with the 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 st- seller the store the laugh factory any club you perform at if that if you become comfortable performing there and then you can make your friends that work there laugh or the people that come to that type of room laugh then it doesn't become a challenge it's a real uphill battle I'm having sometimes in the OR is that I have a I take the stuff that works on the road in there and it doesn't always do well and I go that's the real testament of how it's performing it's because if they're not laughing and by the way that's it, it's dialed in to laugh there. I'm like, then it's not funny yet. That's interesting. Why do you think, what do you think it is about the OR that, because the OR used to be, when I first got past there, I felt like the OR was a fucking stiff room. It was a difficult room. I still it find that. A, it, had, it had about a 70% good set ratio, I would okay, say. Okay, I'm there. I'm, I'll take yeah. there. I'm a little lower than that, but yeah. So, yeah, I, but current day you're saying it's right like now that. that's interesting because right i now. feel like it's ch- it's changed to well, being the lights are sometimes up really high in the or uh-huh oh no no I, i'm sorry i thought you were talking about the uh the main room the main oh. room i find difficult oh main rooms main room is a main room is a lob toss for me really that's i so love the main room because my i think i'm also more comfortable performing in front of a large group of people mm-hmm. and and when i go into the or it's not it's a lot of like it reminds me of performing in new york like performing at the cellar performing it's very at the much the cellar right yeah and 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 the, by the way my favorite room is the belly room belly room's awesome Dude, that's, that's where i started because i don't think I, I had such a great set same as what they say that she built it for women yeah like i wouldn't have kept doing comedy if my first set wasn't like a, i killed in the belly room in a bringer show <laughs> oh i can take a story that i am kind of trying to figure out into the belly room and and really find the good stuff in it and it's like something ab- cool but isn't it true that like a lot of comedy is just weird coincidental magic like i remember there was there was chris fairbanks you know chris of course just like, had hip surgery oh did he really yeah just got his hips replaced jesus christ Who i know did? chris, chris fairbanks, fairbanks. all hip- that skateboarding yeah. no 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 i said the same thing <laughs> he goes no i guess it's just hereditary Wow, that is yeah, so crazy. Yeah, it can crazy. happen in your 30s and 40s, too. Well, anyway, Chris, when I first moved to L.A., was like my albatross. Anytime Chris walked into a room that I was performing on, and I was new to town, and I was trying to impress people, if Chris walked in, I would go, fuck, because I'm going to have a bad set, because Chris right. Fairbanks is here. I don't he's know. so good? No, it was just a fucking <laughs> random no, magic. He's not even that good. <laughs> no, Chris is one of the worst comedians. No, but That's he what I'm would saying. kill, because he does that wordplay. Chris know, he, is so funny. Yeah. He is, it, he is But really... it had nothing to do with Chris. It had to do with, like... The weird, like, mystical magic of coincidence, right? Yeah. And Chris would walk in and I'd go, I'm going to have a bad set. And then, so, then finally I had a good set in front of Chris and then that weird spell was broken. And, oh. and then I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, to some degree, your experience in the OR is probably just the weird coincidence of, like, 
those crowds on the nights that you happen to get booked at that the person that you happen to be following it's i think it's but all But sometimes bullshit. there's a physics of a room like For the sure belly room is. doesn't but have a bar Bert in the back is such a powerful and- comedian there's no world in which i think like oh yeah bert's not yeah, yeah, you're you're not going to do well in the OR ever. Well, that doesn't make sense. It, well, here's the other thing, and I'm I'm, sh- I'm I'm certain that we all three probably subscribe to this, but I, re- I refuse to take, um, I refuse to, I refuse to use the store as a, um, an ego stroke for me because that is not the purpose of it for me. In the main room, I will I will take. Uh, like I'll take stories that I know are working and I'll try to finagle them. But in the OR, I'm bringing stuff that is kind of working on the road that I'm suspect of mm-hmm. to throw it up against the wall to say, like, hold on, does this, where is this joke quiet? But sometimes you do need to throw in some good stuff just so they trust you so that yeah. they'll trust the new stuff. Or I, or I watched Tosh go up in the OR, and this is what also changed my opinion about how to work that room. Mm-hmm. I watched Tosh go up and only do new jokes. Now, he's granted, he's Daniel Tosh, but I was like, I, I, I was just respecting that. I was like, I respect that. And I watched Judd Apatow do that. I was like, I respect that. And, then, and like, it worked, and it, they both killed? Uh, they, did, they did 70%. Like, like, it, was like, it was like, okay, okay. It was like really cool to watch those guys work, you know? Like, Louis does the same stuff. And I was like, I was like if I, if I want to be one of the best com- one of the four people on L magazine then I <laughs> I'm better I better want to really... stand next to Tiffany you know Haddish that, yeah uh, you better step it up but I you want to be in Cars 4 yeah I, by the way if you're listening to this in Cars 4 I'm fucking she's in Cars 3 yeah well okay what did Christelle you think it was is. yeah I know Christelle oh, okay. yeah um, I don't know I'm trying to guess what kind of stereotypical car they made her it's a lowrider is, is it no is it really? it's, it's gotta <laughs> be it's gotta be something with lights underneath it I don't know. I, I don't know I either. I haven't seen that movie. By the way, Christella, you know I love you. And everyone I've talked shit about, including you, Paul, on this You're podcast. You're not talking shit about Christella. I'm not talking shit about anybody. Uh, and if I am, I'm sorry. The, but, but what... Uh, yeah, I, I try to use the store as a place to recharge my battery and hang out with comics. That's number one. And, and try to do newer stuff that I can take on the road. That's number two. That you is know? smart. I mean, my thing with the store is I like to go up... And I love the room physics of the room, so I'll always. Dr- I, I just love doing improvisational comedy. That's okay, the- that's the other thing about you, though, is you're someone that I almost want to see you bomb more than do well, because <laughs> because I like you're someone that I think every comic would say we'd like to watch you work. Like that's the cool thing, and that's the thing I think some people. There are comics that we'll all agree. I won't say any names. I have no interest in watching them work. If they don't kill, they bombed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like comics that were just like that are like they're just um I bring the thunder, that's what I do. This is my act. I'm Thunderbringer. Right, and, right, and right. Those aren't the, my favorite comics. My favorite comics would be like to go up and watch you improv and really work it and knead it into something that turns into something good. That's when I go, "Oh, that was fun watching." I would you know? say I would say I would rather watch any comedian I respect bomb than kill because i've seen kill i've seen everybody kill yeah. they're all good oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i want to totally. see oh, yeah that's yeah. fun how, how do you bomb is like the real that's the real stripes of a comedian jim norton bombing is my favorite thing <laughs> i've ever oh, yeah. seen oh yeah jim that norton can't bombing, happen very much jim norton bombing is fucking magical he is 10 hundred times funnier to the back of the room in the middle of a bomb than he would ever be on stage in his hour special. <laughs> Same with Attell. I remember Attell's asides to himself. Would I would just sit in the back and fucking love it. I did mediocre uh, in the OR last last time last week, and uh, 
Tom, Tommy, and and uh, Adam were back there. And Wait, I, Tommy, I, Tommy Segura, Tommy, oh, Tommy oh, Segura. Like, no, Tommy, Tommy came back. No, Tom Segura and Adam were in the back. And I will, I will admit, I did mediocre. Sure, I said some things maybe I shouldn't have said, and I tried to work my way out of it. De- definitely came off a little pro Trumpy, <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I got off stage. I was like, I could have gone a lot better. Segura and Tom both were like that was fucking hilarious. And the thing is, because they're watching you. Are you pro Trump? No. Okay, good. But I do think actually uh, that that. Speaking of Trump, what he stands for, but yeah, I kind (laughs) of no. I hear what you're saying. Spend some time at a water park in Southern California. You'll be very pro Trump. Well, that's what I was going to say. I I was cut the numbers in half, Trump. Let's get to the slide. (laughs) Speaking of the the Paul F. Tompkins story versus like I I I did think that there is a connection to our current political climate that we're in. Forgetting Trump because he's so divisive of a figure, like that feeling that you were describing of being like. The bro, for lack of a better word, who's being, yeah. like, accepted and or rejected by, like, the cool nerd kids. Yeah. I feel like – tell me if you agree. The Trump election was a referendum on, on like, bro-ness. It's oh. like all the, like, all the alphas who'd been turned into social betas were saying essentially, like, you know what? Fuck you. We're, we're not going to accept that nerds rule the roost. Like, I, I told Natasha right after Trump got elected, like, I feel like that's the death of the nerd. Like, nerd culture is over, and we're now experiencing this, like, new wave of, like, man and masculinity being cool again. And, like, the, the social justice warrior being, like, the beta cuck nerd. The number one movie star is no longer Seth Rogen. It's The Rock. Yeah, ex- there's something to that, right? Dude, I said when, when he got elected... Because I, because I, by the way, I'm, I'm still, I'm still very much a bro. Like I, like I'm going to Orlando this week. I'm looking for someone to throw a fucking lake party. Like I'm. What's a leg party? A lake, a lake part, lake, a lake, lake a party. A lake party. Yeah, like there's big lakes down there. I want to go wakeboarding. I want to hang out. I want to have some cold beers in the afternoon. Like I'm looking for that. I love that. I love partying after the shows with my fans. I love, I love if someone's like, who wants to do a body shot? I love hearing that. Like. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I'm sorry, but I I'm kind of on Paul Paul F. Tompkins' side at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, when there's when something got, interesting about that, though, you can't just marginalize a that, huge that group. Someone saying a body shot fills you with like if a you, good feeling. Oh, uh, if someone goes, if I someone think goes, that that's where the divide shot, is. You're almost like. You, uh, you can hear Tom Cruise playing the piano in the background. Can I be honest? I don't really know what a body shot is. Oh, we used to do belly is button that body when shots. when you take it from a girl's tits? No, it's where uh, you salt on the neck, and they lick your neck, and then you both do a shot of tequila. Who is both? The woman like that you you're with? The woman, you and the woman. So it's like, like the, frat boy shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 But what I'm saying... Frat boy the, shit can be super enjoyable. I'm good. That's, that's what I'm... <laughs> I, they're my natural enemy. I'm sorry. Well, this is what I'm getting at. It's like, And by the way, it's not like the death <laughs> of the nerd... I would have had someone else like, kick you off the show. The I way, probably wouldn't have done it myself. Do you know, do you know that, <laughs> that every frat boy loves the fact that you don't love a frat boy? Because they just want you to love... Like, they're just big, dumb dogs that are like... They're like, I am cool. No, listen... I do like a nice fucking sleeveless shirt every now and then. <laughs> I like a flip and a flop. I like both. Uh, I took mine off before I walked back here. I love flip flops. I still wear flip flops. I guess I'm not friends with any people like that. Well, this I is guess what I'm, I'm what you would call a snob. You're definitely what I would call a snob, and you're my wife. <laughs> but what I would I would say that it was inevitable that this that there was a backlash. Like yes, people, and especially like I forget Trump. Because Trump is such a bad How example because he was him? a metaphor and then he became reality. And then the reality of Trump had nothing to do with the – not zero to do with, but a lot to – very little to do with what the people wanted him to represent. All of a yeah. sudden he's this other thing. But eventually, 
you know, men were going were gonna to come back and say, like, comic book dorks can't take culture over completely. We won't yeah. let that happen. Physically, we can beat you, and we will beat you. Well, it's. It, I said. I, I might have said it to uh, either Burr. It was either Burr Rogan or Stanhope that night that he got elected. I said because and, and because I know, like I know, a lot of my friends are still these guys. They are. I grew up with them. Um, and and I was like, I was like, the people who elected Trump, the men who elected Trump, were guys who weren't done saying faggot. Like, <laughs> they were true. like, they were like, you took that word away from us too early. I I would I understood. I understand. It's <laughs> That's true. Smart. The it's true. Got, the word got taken away so quickly out of the lexicon. And by the way, I support that. Like I listen to Todd Glass's podcast with Mark Maron. I don't think anyone realized the impact of the word. But I think there were a lot of guys who weren't. They. It, it was like um, imagine learning the N word but knowing nothing of slavery. Me, being like a, a young Finland kid saying the N word and then getting in trouble for it. And you're like, wait, I, I, I really had nothing to do with that. I just it was a word that I used to sing in songs. I didn't know I couldn't say it. And so. Uh, but when, they knew they couldn't say it, the bros. No, 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 no. By the way, uh, you could say it. I mean, from you're, my... You're essentially saying like a dude that go, is saying to his straight buddy, like, dude, quit hogging all those body shots. You're being a total faggot. Yeah, like they yeah. didn't... I don't think... I And I will say this. The vast majority of, of men that said it weren't saying it in understanding the impact it would have on a gay child, possibly their own, who heard it and thought everything they ba- stand for is bad and now they don't want to come out of the closet and possibly commit, commit suicide. I don't think anyone realized the impact of that. I think I think guys saying your car looks gay, they didn't understand the impact of that entirely because I know I didn't. I know well, he, I didn't. Here's what I think happened, right, is just my opinion, uh, is that you know, you're right is that most people that were using and you're just using that one word as a sort of metaphor for the iceberg that is like yeah. you know whatever pc culture has p- punished like non pc people for doing right yeah. and that is this a lot of the current political climate is a backlash against people who didn't mean anything negative being told that they were the biggest piece of shit in the world. And, 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 and sometimes publicly shamed into ruining their life. Yes, although I would push back and say, like, how often is that truly happening to bros versus anybody? Because yeah. the public shaming, it, it falls on both sides of the political spectrum, yeah. right? Just as much- it happens more to women, I feel like. Do you think so? I, I, feel like women, I feel like women are the funniest people on the internet. I will say that, hands down. I think they're much funnier than any male comic. Women, female comics are hilarious on the internet. Um, but I do feel like <laughs> that is a very odd statement. <laughs> it, it is an odd statement. It, Female comics are hilarious on the internet. Yeah, and I think I think yeah, yeah. more than men. I, yeah, I definitely think so. I just feel like it's so individual. All right, I never thought of it like that. But I guess I'm saying like public shaming. I do think both sides of both sides of the political landscape have, are victims of public shaming. Yeah. But what we're talking about when we talk about like. You know, free speech versus PC culture or whatever is uh, is definitely like a thing that people are reacting against, right? And and part of what the current political landscape is is people saying free speech is important, which yeah. it is. But it's like everybody. What happens is when you lob an accusation at someone, they r- retreat into being defensive, and then the next time you lob it, they they are defending from the position not of what they've said, but now of what they've said plus their defensiveness, and that is a, a recipe for like like kind of 
communicative disaster, right? Yes. Because like by the time the tenth iteration of accusation has happened, people are going, "I want to say the N word." It's like, no, you don't even want to say the N word. Yeah, yeah. You just don't want to be called a racist, right? Let's start from where you first started from, and instead, what's happening is people are saying. Are like lobbing out these these things that are like you're saying obviously offensive, obviously uh-huh. like you're saying trigger warnings are absurd. What what happens? It's this idea called nut picking. Have you ever heard of this before? No. It's like one of these logical fallacies, right? It's nut picking, and it's that you argue against the position that bothers you from only using the most absurd example of that position, right? Okay. So like trigger warnings are the perfect example, right? Like most of the time as a person says trigger warning you're a grown man with a mind that is developed and is like what you can't deal with something that is objectionable to you you can't hear it without freaking out covering your ears and running out of the club screaming that's fucking ridiculous and it is fucking ridiculous but if you try to get to like the kernel of what they're really saying which is like what if you are anybody can wrap their brains around being a, a a young gay person sitting in a in a circle of like bros that are saying or not even bros just people that think yeah. it's funny to say uh you know you're being a complete faggot right yeah. anybody can kind of wrap their brain around that like oh what that must feel like yeah. so so what we do is when we we when we argue from this position of of the most absurd example right for ex- like evergreen state right now people are freaking out about that oh are, are my you, god Ever, evergreen university you're hearing about this no what happened i i've stopped I've only uh, they had a, once a week now. They had a day where uh, where the people of color demanded white people not come to school so they could have an easier day. Uh, and one and I think the majority it was a very liberal college. Majority said yes, except for this one professor who, by the way, is a uh, he is a um, what is he a, a, a cultural biologist. So, which is kind of confusing. I wonder if it's part of what he does for a job. I don't know what he does for a job. I can never, never talk about that. But he said, I refuse to do that. I find that because he's Jewish, he's like, I find that you asking anyone to say that they're not allowed to do something because of their race is racism. And then they literally took over the fucking campus. Who took over the campus? The students. Predominantly black I think because and the Jewish a, guy said that. Well, yeah. Evergreen State ever, is it Evergreen State or Evergreen? Evergreen, by the way, is okay. It is the epicenter and always has been the epicenter of hardest theoretic the theoretics of the hard left. It's not like we're talk, talking about like UC Davis here. Evergreen yeah. has always been like so far out there in terms of its leftist sort of aspirations. By the way, there should be places like that. There definitely should be there de- I, I you need you need to you need someone to be making fucked up food in order to have new yes. foods introduced to you. Yeah, and it's just as there is Evergreen State, there is Bob Roberts University. You know, is that what it's called? I think that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, the, yeah. Like super insane evangelical uh, Christian right. So uh, university. So that basically, what they're asking to me, if I'm if I'm sort of. Uh, uh, I haven't I haven't looked into it, but my I gut- listen to Rogan's podcast with that professor. Fucking fascinating with the professor who said no. Yeah, my gut feeling tells me that's in- totally fucking insane. Right? Yeah. That, Did he it- said no? No, that, no, that they they're, that no they're asking for a day without white people going to, to going to work. Right? I mean, that my gut feeling tells me I, I need to read more. And really figure out like what even was the ideological underpinnings behind it. Uh, it's the it's the flip. There was a day 
where you remember the day without a Mexican here in L.A.? Sure, yeah. They, they used to do it a day without people of color just to show how important those people were. And those people of color said, yeah, fuck that. Flip it. We want no white people so we can see how easy life could be without you. And so this guy's like, no, you're not allowed to do that. And then... Did the guy get fired? Uh, I don't know what's going on with him now, but they have death threats against him. Now these students have started a lynch mob, a li- literal lynch mob, going through the campus looking for students who agree with this professor and threatening them. And then they they took over the dean's office and told the dean he wasn't allowed to use his hands because if he used his hands, that was a, a trigger. That was a, that was a threatening... It sounds like there's probably like 10 people at the helm of this. No, there's a lot more. And it's based off of... It's, it's started, it's foundings, it's grassroots are coming from the Black Lives Matters people. So the Black Lives Matters people found, fuck, we can make some money. Well, let me just stop you there. Wait, okay. how do they make money, first of all? Hold on. Let me, okay, fine. I do want to hear what you're saying about yeah. money. Um, they, they're like, this Black Lives Matters things. we can get people to agree with us. So they would go, they go in and they find a, a thing like this. By the way, I listen to this half drunk on a plane. But they go in and they start, uh, like just like any revolutionary culture go in and plant the seeds you guys should really fuck this flip it and they started it and now it's like i still don't understand where the money comes in uh shirts and stuff i don't know it's like the road i don't know i don't know your shirt i don't your think tits. that's the, well here merchandise I mean, the thing about black lives matter that really bugs me and i'm not saying you're doing this although i think it happens a lot i hear it a lot people talk about black lives matter as if it is a organization with a leadership and a and a, a leadership struggle and a, a, a structure, structure and hierarchy. It, it's got to be an organization. De- it is completely decentralized. There is no Black Lives Matter person. There is a person that started Black Lives Matter. But the idea that, that like... I'll tell you right now if you're right or wrong. You okay, ready? let's hold on. Based on and if, if they have I'm a wrong, website... I demand you edit this out. Based on if they have a website. If they have a website... I'm then sure they have a bunch of websites. No, if they have one... Oh, I guess they probably do have BlackLivesMatters.net, Black Lives Matter. There's what I'm millions of them. It's a completely decentralized movement that was started in response to what they think, and I think what statistically is proven out, to be a, uh, a disproportionate amount of, of violence that it wrought upon young black people at the hands of the police. Right? Yeah. That's what it started That's from. what it started as, yeah. Right. So now it's expanded because just like everything, just like comedy, just like politics, just like Trump, exactly like Trump, you can grab a ideological current, take ownership of it, just like the alt right, right? Within the alt right, you have people that are saying, "Oh no, we're the alt right. We're Nazis. We're straight up uh, white identitarian, white nationalists." Yeah. And then you have people who are saying, "No, I'm alt right, and you're not alt right. That's not alt right. Alt right is this." Yeah, we're Same. embarrassed by the term alt right. We're looking for a different term. We're right. we're going to call ourselves the new right. We're going to call you've hijacked it from us. But both parties are saying, "No, no, no. We're alt right. No, we're alt right. Yeah. What you represent is the antithesis of what the alt right is." So to say. Not that you did this, but I've heard this a lot. To say I probably that, like, have done this. I mean, people do yeah. it. I hear it yeah, a lot yeah, because yeah. I really – I don't consider myself a, a centrist at all. But I consider – because I do – I am a, left, a left-leaning person. Yeah. But I do consider myself like a person that, that sees the warts and the illogic of the left in the same way I see the warts and the illogic of the right. I'm that. Yeah. Like, I, we I, all I, should be I that. I do believe that there is – a need for whatever's happening at Evergreen to you need to make changes. You have to have drastic people wanting change, right? Like it, it must have sounded ridiculous to when they were like, "Hold on, one second. You mean black people are just going to go into our swimming pools? That does not make sense." Well, exactly. And what nut picking is is it takes the most extreme person on the ideological group that you disagree with and says, "See what I'm saying about that group? It, yeah. it is exactly like me saying." Um, 
I hate Republicans because David Duke is a Republican. Yeah. And you're like, but David Duke is like a fringe, insane, fucking weird Nazi idiot. Well, no, I think it's that just represents Republicans. And then, by the way, there's like a centrist Republican in, in this milieu that's going, why are you – why are you c- casting aspersions on all of us as a group? Fuck that. And that's exactly what happened in the Trump election, which is people saying, yeah. why are you c- – if you say all bros are dumb yeah. because I met a dumb bro, it's the same thing as saying Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization because I saw a guy with a Black Lives Matter t-shirt on and a Molotov cocktail. Those right. two things aren't the same thing. What if yeah. you met 600 dumb bros? <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just curious. Wait, wait, wait So wait. You never dated a bro? No. Never dated a bro? No. I dated a, the, the equivalent of a bro. That's well, yeah, all I dated. of course. That's all I dated were like fucking bimbos. Like, really? We used to call the girls muffs in, really? in, in high school. And then the boys were called, um, what were they called? It was so good. Um, See, we've got our subsets of bros. Yeah, there's like, like a we, taxonomy of we bros. Have, yeah, we have, we have like... The fellas. The fellas. <laughs> they were called the fellas. Like the, the, the like, muffs and the fellas. I think that like the that the that the comedy store actually represents the kind of more like eyebrow cocked, like libertarian, like social deconstructor white guy voice of comedy that is that by the way, who are the big comedians right now? When you think about it. Rogan Burr. Uh, Louis C.K. is not Dalia. a bro. Louis not uh, a Louis not a bro. Louis Louis is. I'm not going to say anything that even could be All right, construed. But a bro could not Louis. make Louis. A bro doesn't like agree, have Woody no. Allen and jazz influences. I don't agree. I mean, well, honestly, I'm the thinking big, of a bro the, like what, what you're saying is right. Like it's Dalia, it's Rogan, it's Burr, it's people that Jim are Jim Jeffries. Yeah, it's people that are. By the way, all of those people. I don't know if I. I don't agree with all of them, but I don't. I would say. You know, you love Burr, but Burr's, you wouldn't say Burr's a particularly politically, like, you know, social justice guy. But that's what you like about him. Exactly. Because he's saying the thing that you're like, oh, I didn't know I could think, even think that. Yeah. Oh, Burr is, let me tell you something. And once again, if this is going to be the podcast where I just talk up, I'm talking shit about everyone. I'm I not. I don't think you're talking shit about people. Burr is a bro. Like, Burr's the guy that calls me. He's like, dude, let's hang out and have a cigar and just bullshit. No podcast. Just have a cigar and a glass of whiskey. That's bro behavior right there. Cigar, glass of whiskey, and, like, fraternity body shots. Okay. In my opinion. I don't see Bill Burr doing body shots. <laughs> no, Bill Burr <laughs> has definitely done a body shot in the past. I'm I bet he certain hasn't. Of it. I bet he hasn't. I would love to call him. <laughs> call him right now. <laughs> Important question. By the way, no, no, no. You text Bill this one because if you call him, he's like, dude, what the fuck, man? What are you? Uh, you why? You, don't call me on a podcast. We can be friends and we can work together, but let's not fucking mix the two up, bro. <laughs> All right. I'm very curious to see what the answer is going to be. And then, wait, I should text a really alternative comedian and see if they've d- done a body shot. Who, who, do you, who do you like? Rory Scovel? Have you ever done a body shot? <laughs> what, what do you think? Who, who's, a, who's an alt comic I could, I could text? I'm more interested in if Bill Burr's done a body um, shot. I just think this would be a nice experiment. Let me, let me do. Let me do Rory Scovel. Oh, okay. no, no. I'm trying to find Rory's somebody that would. Rory's done, done a body shot. I know, shot. I know. I was trying to cheat a little bit. <laughs> you could ask Nick Thune. Nick Thune's done a body shot. Yeah, Nick Thune's done a body shot. Bible camp. That's what they do. <laughs> it's, a, it's the blood of Christ off of uh, the body of your pastor. <laughs> All right. I think Louis is a. See, I think I think there's a there is a term of like. 
enlightened bro. Where yes. If you're a bro growing up, philosopher. Yeah, call you, him. you loved you loved fucking hitting a bike ramp. You loved uh, you loved tackle football. You liked you know you like you, you if you hooked up with a chick, you told your friends about it. Like that kind of bro. I think who, who gets to a certain age where you go like for me it was moving to New York and going like oh I guess I should listen more like just listen and then not and 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 and. I remember uh, I went. The first show I ever That's saw was a good was, first step. I think I should listen more. Well, YouTube yeah. actually. To be honest, uh, by the way, I don't. I find the YouTube educated, uh, political, newly politically uh, red pilled right winger to be pretty odious and obnoxious. But I also understand what a powerful tool YouTube is. YouTube definitely, and the internet in general, definitely brought ideas to people that not just bros I, I, this has become a referendum on bros but it's not it's, yeah. it's to everybody that had been sort of sequestered in an in an in a kind of intellectual vacuum who then could go on youtube and go like holy shit i can like i can hear all this crazy information dude that's ex- that is you have no idea how f- in our fraternity there were two camps by the way, in a group of guys who all decided to join an organization and allowed themselves to be hazed for five months, demeaned, uh, beaten. like And to also demean women together. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I but mean, I think, that is part of the culture. Do you uh, think that's a part of fraternity culture? Yes. I think that it depends on what fraternity you're talking I think, about, well, right? I think there's a lot of different fraternities. They're definitely like... But I think I think the, if you're going to broad stroke it, I don't think I don't think demeaning women is the right thing. But I do think when men get around men, they do start to simply uh, not worry about hitting the corners that tight. I think they're like, you know, I'll say whatever the fuck I want to say. It's That's- all guys. I can't get in trouble. Um, but I but in our camp there were two. This was, and this was like you were you were either smoked pot. Or you didn't smoke pot, and then within those camps, oh, interesting. Were, the you, smoke potters were like the thinking man, the thinking man, and they called that the dark side. And they're, they're, Whoa. they didn't like the guys who did hallucinogens and wow, smoke that's pots really were all a little more sensitive. And then, um, and then there was also another camp in, in our fraternity. Uh, it was the those who chewed skull versus those who chewed Copenhagen. So wait, hold on. Let me see if I can figure it out. Was was oh, I can't really. It was Copenhagen. Was that the, the the more enlightened people? No, Skull was. What's yes. Skull about? Skull had a mint flavor to oh, it. Oh right, <laughs> so that was kind of like girly. You were yeah, softer. that's you gay. Were that's and, very gay. Yeah. And and and, uh, and then I'll break it down. If you dip Skull, you definitely didn't say the N word. Interesting. <laughs> and if you dip Cherry Skull, you took. If you, you dip Cherry you, you Skull, fuck dudes. Dude, people would look at you weird when you offered it up to people. <laughs> if, if you were like, hey, you got funny. a dip, and they're like, yeah, I got Cherry Skull, they'd be like, uh, never mind. Uh, why, don't you go, why don't you go use the lady's head? That was the crazy. women's bathroom. That's so interesting. It was. I do think that hallucinogens, by the way, are in a large way the solution to a lot of the rancor and acrimony that we have between political ideologies. Say that again? I think that every group, yeah. the alt-right, the left, the comedy store, the alt-comedians, you, Paul F. Tompkins, everybody should go to Joshua Tree together and do hallucinogens because I do think that like one of the realizations that you have on hallucinogens is that people are like one and yeah. that we're in this together and that the most important thing is to like try to find harmony in a disharmonious universe. Well, I think that's one of the things that, you know, bugged me about comedy early on is I remember, you know, I remember being like, I remember the first show I, I knew David Wayne uh, randomly, the guy who's, he's a director. Uh, he's in, he was in Stella. Yeah, he was in Stella and he was in the state. Well, Stella used to do their own, do a show, uh, Michael Ian Black, Michael Showalter and, uh, and big fans of all of them. Big David Wayne. So I met them in Greece 
1995. Doing comedy? Nope. I was just partying, and I was a big State fan. Like that was like my show, and I saw you were doing them. shots off the body of like a Greek god statue, right? <laughs> Wait, can I tell you the broest fucking moment ever? So I meet the State. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm a, I was on the dark side, and I dipped skull. Okay, okay, sure. So, so I'm the softest. Skull I'm the softest. I love cherry skull. When they came, they came out with cherry skull when I was in college, <laughs> and they sent a sample pack at Star Fraternity. I was like, "This is my new jam." Oh my god, you got peach. So, um, so, uh, so I I find the state, which is definitively alternative comedy in its infancy, and I love it. I love it wholeheartedly. And we would quote the state to each other. We go. Uh, we go backpacking through Europe, uh, and I see the state at our hostel that we're staying at called the Pink Palace. They're that, staying at a hostel, the three of them? Uh, no, the entire state. Oh, like all of them are there. All of them are there. How cool. And so I see them, and I lose my shit. Uh, the first one I knew was David Wayne. I just recognized him first. Uh, Joe Latrulio and David Wayne are the first ones I recognized. By the way, I, I, the ones that are, you know, the, uh, anyway, so... I meet David Wayne, and I'm like, dude, I'm the biggest fan of the state. I think I want to be a comedian. I just robbed that train in Russia. I was like, I think I want to be a comedian. Did you say I just robbed that train in I Russia? Just, I robbed a train in Russia. It's the Yeah, let's put a pin in that. Anyway, <laughs> so I tell David Wayne I want to be a comedian. I want to know. And David Wayne gives me his phone number. He says, this is my phone number. That's so nice. Dude, the sweetest guy in the world. I will say, ever since then, I could never remind him who I was, the guy he met in Europe. Like, he'd always be like, the guy I played volleyball with? I was like, no, the guy. <laughs> he so, just gives his phone number up. So, so it's the same phone number. I think he still has the same fucking phone number. So um, we're at this place called the Pink Palace. This is a place where they told you when you got there. They were like, take all your clothes off. Go to your bed. Take your sheet off. We're going to have a toga party. So I meet the state. <laughs> Back there, and I had been there before. I had already been there before. I came back. That's how much of a bro palace this was. Everyone's naked. All Euro trash. Everyone's partying. And then Dr. George, the guy who owns it, would come out with a stack of plates. And they'd everyone would gather in a circle, and David Waynes goes, what ha- what's happening? I go, dude, you got to experience this. This is fucking amazing. So they start doing the Greek music. I don't do it right, but you know that, that Greek music? And Dr. George starts dancing, and this guy's walking around with a, a stack of like 100 plates, balancing them. And he's like, what's going on? And I go, you'll see. Just lean forward when I say to lean forward. He's like, okay. And then this guy, Dr. George, would give you, come, he pour a shot of ouzo in your mouth, then grab a plate and smack it over your head and crash it. And everyone's ducking their head in the center. And David Wayne looks at this and he goes, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is the best part of it. I'm like, do two for me. Like, but, but yeah, those. Uh, That's amazing. Those That's guys, funny that David couldn't. Re- he, he never. You're like you know the guy who wanted you to smash he, he a plate kept, on your head. Every time if I if I called him right now he'd go are you are you the guy that I played played uh my bet my well, my best friend was an assistant to him on uh, some movie a Wet Hot American Summer my best friend my best friend probably has worked with David Wayne more than anyone and every time I run into David Wayne I go I met you in Europe he's like the guy I played volleyball with I'm like no you should get more specific um. So, I have to pee. I just have go to. Pee. Go pee. Where do I do it? Pee in the backyard. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Dude, I'm a bro. Yeah. You guys can't do you this at your house? You want to pee in the backyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pee anywhere. Yeah. Preferably not on the pavers, but yeah, pee anywhere. Your wife doesn't care that people are peeing in the backyard? She's married to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's she going to say? She's like, I'm not going to stop him. Because I come out here and I like to like, you know, at the end of the night, if everyone's asleep, I like to get weird. And she, what, do you, what do you call getting weird? Like, like, uh... Put on the Smiths, have a open a bottle of wine, get in a speedo, cowboy hat, 
and just fucking dance like 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 kind of like when Matthew McConaughey got busted for playing bongos naked I was like I get that like I've been there so so like but you probably could you do that sober yeah but then I start questioning my sanity I think I have <laughs> I definitely have done it sober but that I start sounds fun I start questioning my sanity and going hey man am I slipping away like um it's dude I love it it's one of my favorite things especially when, when I work for, for work for travel channel I'd come home at and sleep when I landed and get up late because I was like coming in from Asia or something. So you'd be up all night. Come in here and like and just like rediscover the Talking Heads, like just you know what I mean. Like like they're that's get, like, get high, right? Well, I don't have to get high. I can like sometimes I'll get on the treadmill with a box of wine and I'll, <laughs> and I'll walk. Yeah. He just said sometimes he gets on the treadmill with a box of wine. That was like and what straps in your back and puts like a hose in. No, this is going to be the most broiest thing I've ever said. I'll watch diners, drive-ins, and dives with the sound off and listen to music. Let me just say there are things about male culture, bro culture, that yeah. are undeniable, undeniable, undeniably fun, undeniably cool, and vice versa with like snobbish hipster culture. Oh man, if it was like I, I can appreciate all sides of culture. Yep. I really can. Um, but I, th- I, I think that's like I don't get that old manny like pff, I don't understand these millennials. Although there are parts of like softness I don't understand. Like I, I mean, part of life is failure, and I think you need to have failure I to agree. figure out. I, I don't think I'm going to sway on that on either side. I think that's part of the issue with the evergreen thing is this idea that life, not not only the obvious truth that life is unfair, but that it shouldn't be. Right, and <laughs> I think that like. Like you're saying, part of life is running up to the things about society. Obviously, you need to get rid of injustice. That That's important. But getting rid of things that are bothersome, I think like – I don't think that's really the answer. Well, what they're saying – what this, do, uh, this this professor was saying is that um, the the – I'm going to fuck this up. The backlash that you see on colleges is really a response to to – social injustices carried out in life that are like that are for instance uh the judicial system for young black men exactly is if 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 you do not agree with this i can't see eye to eye on you with you on anything but the judicial system is set up to fuck black men it really is in a sense that like and i witnessed it on my own now i've since seen it on documentaries and heard people talk about it but like i went to jury jury uh to jury duty and I sat, we had to sit in the hallway one day, and out of the nine courts that were on that floor, all that came out were young black men. All that, that's all that came out. And I watched moms cry because their son is going to jail for 10 years. You realize there's not a lot of scenarios that will happen in my life where I could get into the situation where I'd go to jail for 10 years. This is exactly my problem with the backlash to PC culture, whatever that word means. It's like, yes, there are parts of it that are annoying like f- b- sort of blowhardy, evergreen, statey, kind of absurd. Yeah. But the inconvenience or annoyance that you are feeling, even when someone's calling you a racist, which is a terrible thing to be called, it pales in comparison to being, you know, one out of four black men are going to go to prison in their life. It pales in comparison yeah. to being a person that doesn't know if they can be physically safe when they get pulled every time they get pulled over by a cop like there's no real comparison so while it's okay to feel sort of like in my opinion and uh, like well it's okay to feel like annoyed by pc culture being annoyed is it it doesn't even come close to being unsafe 
Uh, I'll agree with that 100. percent And I can I think I agree with that mostly as a father. I go I I can only imagine what my child like as a as having a child, and I go can't imagine having a young black child and worrying every time they take the car out. Hey, can, hey, Dad, can I take your car? And I go, yeah. And then I go, now I just set him up to get shot because it's, it's a nice a, car. It's just a reality that if you have a black kid, you have to have a conversation with them that you don't have to have with a white kid where you have to say when you're in the car with the cop, you have to have a conversation with every kid that says when you're in a you – know, do what the police tell you to do, right? That's a conversation every kid should yeah. have. The difference in the conversation when it's a black kid is if you move quickly or don't do what the police tell you to do, they might – shoot you yeah and so you need to act accordingly you well, have- the, but the argument is and I, and I'm, I'm curious to see how both of you respond to this is the argument is that i see on facebook because that's the other thing if you go through my facebook you would not agree with one person i grew up with because i grew up in the south so it's a lot of really alt-right leaning like tommy leherson was that her name tommy the girl who got oh, fired t- by yeah 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 time miss I knew who she was right when she showed up because all my friends think she's fucking brilliant. She's um, the gal that was on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah, Tommy Lehrer. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, but their argument would be when I was when I was raised by my father, anything you say to a police officer is yes sir, no sir. That's it. That's all you're allowed to say. And I and you see some of these videos where it's almost like the second they get pulled over, they're they're the confrontations start. Man, can you roll down your window? Nah, it goes down this far, and you're like, I would never say that. I definitely would just roll my window down. I, I th- for the, everyone listening, this is how you get pulled over by a police officer. Uh, pull out your registration, hands on top of your. This is how I even just like uh, me if I was speeding, put my hands on top of the. Put your, both hands on t- if you're if it's nighttime, turn on your interior light. Both hands on top of your steering wheel, window down, and you wait for them. Both hands on top of your steering wheel, so they can see both your hands. Hundred percent. When you're going to reach for something, what you say, some other tricks? I'm going to reach. Well, when you reach for something, you say, I'm going to reach for something. I'm going to reach for my wallet now. Is that okay? Yeah. I, mean, I do that too, sir. I have a sir. I have a knife in the in the in the door of my car. It is a it is. A spider co knife it, it is large i'm just letting you know it's there and you keep your hands up there but the difficulty is and i agree obviously that's, how, that's just how i was raised and 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 i and i see that i do see like i, I would never i would never dis you can't disagree with a cop you, there's you're never gonna win it. i have two i have two things to say to that one is looking at a video of a per i mean you've also seen lots and lots of videos of white people saying 100 oh, hell no well, you know i don't think it has anything know. to do with color i think it's more socioeconomic i think it does have to do with color actually i think it straight up has to do with being look look the reason that you might see an anecdote which i would say is an anecdotal evidence is like i've seen these videos yeah the link, and not that you were making this link, but the link to I've seen these videos where black people aren't are like disrespectful when they get pulled over. Ergo, you know that's probably what's happening when they get shot. That's a, a spurious link that doesn't yeah. we don't know we don't know what happened in in the interaction where someone got shot that was unarmed. Whether yeah. they said "fuck you, officer" or "yes or no, sir," we don't know. Yeah. Right. But I would say that that probably, and I'm, I'm this is just my sort of. I'm just get, jumping out into the dark here that probably a black person is more predisposed to rolling his eyes and, and saying the, the, the window goes down this far to a cop because they've been pulled, pulled over, over 10,000 yeah. times every day, you know, uh, all the time getting pulled oh, over oh, for driving while black. And oh. so at a certain point, and not only that, oh they've been harassed and, and hurt by the cops. So. I can't believe you're... I- my so, oh my god! I can't believe I'm saying I'm not I'm saying this now, not realizing what I'm saying. So 
I just told you how to behave around the cops. I just said that out loud. That's how I behave every time. I am going to pick up my daughter from school, and I uh, my, have my wife drop me off, and then me and her are going to walk home. And I'm sitting on the corner, and I see this really nice Mercedes, and it's slow rolling looking at me, and I realize, oh, my God, it's my buddy Omar Dorsey. Omar is plays Cookie and Ray Donovan. He was in Eastbound and Down. He's in Martin Luther King movie. He's fucking a big actor. He's now living in Atlanta, but I see him. I haven't seen him forever. He's been on the podcast twice. I was like, Omar. And Omar flips around, comes in, and grabs me, and we're sitting in a, in a non-parking zone out front of my daughter's school. I jump in the car. I'm sitting in his car, and we're sitting there waiting for our daughters to get out of school. And I notice an undercover cop across the street staring at us. And I go, and then I see him looking at us, and I see him, like, almost behaving. So I go, I think that cop's staring at us. And then someone comes up, and he's like, gentlemen, I'm going to need you guys to move along. And I was like, oh, we're waiting for our daughters. And he's like, this is a no parking zone. Need to move along. We pull out, and the undercover cop flips a bitch and gets right behind us. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? And I go, this is because you're black, isn't it? I go, he saw a black guy in an expensive car pick up a white guy. How fucking dare he? And I started getting so indignant. that. And Omar's like, yeah, this is called life, Bert. And he's like, I'm going to be dropping you off now, and I'm going somewhere else. Because <laughs> he was like, you're going to get me fucking shot. So he dropped me off in front of the other pickup gate. And then the cop slow rolled me and stared at me like, oh, you must have just bought drugs. And right. so all that I just said goes out the fucking window because when it did happen to me, I got fucking pissed. It kind of makes you understand the Black Lives Matter a day without white people, actually. No, it still doesn't make me understand that. <laughs> but, I, but, but, I, a, by the way, by the way, I would have been like, fuck yeah, I won't show up today. I will stay home all day long. <laughs> I would, any excuse. Yeah, any excuse right. not to work. Right, like I would celebrate like 420 is if they would just make that Adolf Hitler Day and I didn't have to go to work. I'd be like, well, my people wouldn't agree, but mm, it's nice to be on the beach. Uh, Wait, Bert, I have a call at 145. Should I switch it? No, 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 no. What time is it? No, okay. no we will be done before 145. Okay, I'll get you guys Sorry, out of here. Sorry, you can before. cut that out. I'm no, no, I, no. I just didn't know because I. No, I've done that so many times. I did that. I do that nonstop. We'll, I'll get you out right at one. When your call happens, the podcast is over, <laughs> and we'll walk. And I'll walk you guys out. Anyway, I feel like yeah, there's there's bridges to be built. I don't know how we got so political, but anyway, I love it, dude. Yeah. I love that. But that's the thing I love about comics is like I think the three of us are night and day. Except for you guys are very similar because you're married, but like we're we're all very different. But I think. At the core, we have many more similarities than we have differences. I've been thinking about this so much since the election, actually, is like somehow comedy figured something out that the rest of the world needs to fucking get on board with. Because, like, you know, Nick DiPaolo and I don't have the same views politically. Right. And, like, but when I see – not that I don't actually know Nick. I'm just using him as a paradigmatic example of a right-wing comedian. When I – or David Angelo. David Angelo is a, is a, a writer on The Daily Show, a very funny comic, and we're friends. And politically – couldn't be more different but that we have this other thing which is like is he funny is she funny right it's like somehow we figured out like oh there are things that are more important than agreeing on every single on every single factor that have created an ability for us to have a community even though within that community there are people that think your political views are fucking garbage and my political views are are bullshit and somehow we still are able to like hang out and talk about shit and that's what's there's like a poison in political discourse right now which is when you find out that someone disagrees with you is when you stop having the conversation. And that's actually when you should start the conversation. I think I, I, I 
I couldn't agree with that more. The stand-up used to always say, I'd much rather sit at a bar with any comedian, even like him and Dane had a problem. He's, he's like, even Dane Cook than someone that isn't a comedian. Yeah. Because there's something, I think, inherently that, like, I know, I, I even if we disagree to the bottom, I know ultimately we'll find something to agree on. Like, I, I think so. Well, also, they're more stimulating. <laughs> yeah. That's true, too. In a way. I mean, there are a lot of stimulating people out there, but... I like comedians the best. What you probably didn't like about bros is is the bro go-to joke is to repeat whatever is popular in the movie of that summer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that. I don't like their taste in music. I don't like how they dress. Wait, what kind of I music do you like? Sports. What kind of music do you like? Um, you know, she's like Sublime, <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Hold on, you Pantera. You, when you first when you first heard Sublime, did you like them? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know who that is. I just know they're terrible. They're good. Oh Sublime is good. Yeah. Sublime. Oh. I'm. Sh- I guarantee I will hate them. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you like Wait. to listen to the Smiths and drink wine. I could yeah. do that. Oh yeah, but that's because uh, that's because I was. You're just trying to impress me. No, though. no, that's because I was picked on in high school, and I realized fuck you. I refuse to listen to whatever the thing is that you guys like. My all my friends introduced me to Susie and the Banshees, Sublime, or uh, uh, the Smiths. Morrissey. What's that theme song from Shrek? That reminds me of what bros like. Uh, hey now, you're, you're a rock star. By Did the way, game on. It's a good he likes oh, yeah, it. Bert's he could good. Definitely, definitely <laughs> nodding his head. All that glitters <laughs> is gold. What's that guy's By the way, name? by the way, ran into him. Ran into him in a hotel. The lead singer Who of is it? is it Third Eye Blind? No, no, no. no. It's uh, uh, Mark Mark McGrath. Who's no, that? No, that is no. that, that? That's the area, though. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I. I will tell you right now, I have purchased every Limp Biscuit album. Limp oh. Biscuit, by the way, it's is, pronounced Limp Biscuit. They, well, they are bad, but they're also good. Their first album, Three Dollar Bill, y'all, is a great album. It's fun. $2 they're Bill, y'all. fun. They're fun to listen to. By the way, I like System of a Down a lot, but I don't oh, know if System of a Down does they're not. So, they don't count, right? They don't they're, count. They're, they're, they're so on a different thing. Good. They're so good. I like a lot of stuff. I like a lot of real man stuff. I'm a huge UFC fan, and yeah. I have been since I was a little kid. Like I, I like a lot. Everybody, there are all these differences in culture are complete bullshit. See, we both like hip hop, but I think both of us would agree. I got excited when I heard DJ Khaled got booed off stage. Well, I didn't hear about this. Oh, he got booed off stage at the uh, Electronic Dance Musical Festival What'd in he Vegas. Do? Uh, he did what he does, and that is, I'm Yell. a product. I'm a product. I'm a product. I got catchphrases. Ca- it's any, anything we've seen the baseline hack comic do, he does, and he doesn't have a body of work to stand behind it. He doesn't have an act. He doesn't have an act. And so we watched him He's not have an act. He's talking about his pussy. Yeah. And, he, yeah. <laughs> and all anyone did was go throw his catchphrases back at him online and they fit in so well you were like oh you call this we loved someone to say i'm the best i have no flaws and then for you to fail and go these are all your that's flaws that's our president how did he do- but how's he dodging bullets left and fucking right well he's the ultimate dodger bullet because every bullet that is dodged at him is a lie and everything like fake news in his world means anything that isn't complimentary. But, no, but fake no, but fake news is a real fucking thing. It's a different thing than what he describes it. You know, one thing that the Republicans have done masterfully well. What many things? Name by the way, things. What's that? Well, Name naming things. things. Natasha has a theory about them naming things. What's that? No, just like alt right, and then calling us snowflakes. It's like it's like alt right sounds cool. By the way, I have snowflake in my act right now, and I. And it makes me cringe because of because of the laugh it gets. 
Uh huh. My daughter's yeah, baseball, my daughter, daughter's softball like, practice. They practice without a baseball. They practice without a softball. And the coach said, "I don't want to introduce failure this early into the season. I just want to get them comfortable in their positions." And I was like, "I think that's how you make snowflakes." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, it's staying in the act. It's Most funny. That's <laughs> funny. But so, what, the naming things. You think that's? Well, I just think they're good at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Branding. Oh, yeah. they, they've branded themselves better. But the one thing that I think they've really done well, and this isn't just the alt-right. This is, I think, the right, the right in general. Republicans in general have done a very good job of taking the accusation and turning it into ammunition. Right. So everything that they are accused of, they have found a way to grab it, flip it, and ride that like B-O-O-T-Y. Violence, right. Oh, my. No, but, uh, but like uh, violence right now. Violence is a perfect example. Everybody was going, oh, my God, the Trump rallies, they're violent. They're pushing people. Trump's going to make everyone violent. Everyone violent. And then, and then very quickly they grabbed that narrative and they flipped it and said, oh, there's left-wing violence. And there is, by the way. And unfortunately, you know, one pops up and it gives them ammunition for well, three weeks on – what's that guy's name? Which on, is the, on, Fox on Sean News. Hannity. No, not Sean Hannity. Oh, um, Tucker. Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Like, he just can't stop talking about how violent the left is. example of nut picking, right? Tucker Carlson is so fun to watch. I know. Oh, he's awesome. He's so good. He He, can just railroad anyone. Oh, and he says the most – I wish I had that – I wish I had a little bit of Tucker Carlson in my personality (laughs) where I could say say the hurtful thing to you and then – but you didn't hear that. What's the thing? It's almost like a <laughs> like I had a friend who was famous who used to do that to me. Say the hurtful thing and then tell you something, and you'd be like, "How are we supposed to?" But that, but that Tucker Carlson, what he does, and by the way, the left does it too, is the ultimate example of nut picking, right? So a guy goes to a baseball game and shoots a, a Republican. Happens to be a Bernie Sanders, and he's a left. No, not happens to. He did it out of left wing, uh, you know, fuel. He he was a left wing, violent, insane person. Yeah. they'll grab that and go, "Here, look, it's evidence of the ongoing conspiracy of left." violence the next day right something uh, you know or, or like a, the week earlier somebody kills someone on the train because they're muslim or they drive a van into a group of muslims in in london you ignore that because you're yeah. only picking the nuts you like you're only yeah. picking the the deli- and the right and the left does it too they will pick that and go look terrorism and they will ignore the terrorism that happens that doesn't fit their ideological narrative so I, and i think maybe that's what comedians do well is we strip away bullshit is that is that is, um, or hypocrisy. Uh, Sarah Tiana got into a fight with Bill Burr on a on a live podcast we did at the store called the End of the World Podcast. Not a fight, just an argument. And I and and I, I, de- I definitely didn't back her up, which I which I, I still won't, Sarah. I respect you entirely, and I respect what she was saying. But I was like, I said to her, she goes, well, "Yeah, what, you guys, well, yeah, what are they fighting about?" Was, well, Trump just got elected, and she was explaining that all people that elected him were racist, and Bill uh-huh. was saying, "No, they're not." That's not who elected him. He's, there's some of just really hardworking people who are tired of what's gone on. And then she got into an argument. And I said to her after, I go, Sarah, you're arguing with one guy that his only job is to look at both sides of the argument and find the funniest of both sides and then angle it. Take the side you don't want to hear the most and angle it in the most brilliant, projected way. I would go, no one's fighting with him. That was a big misstep. I would have never disagreed with Bill. <laughs> but isn't that her job too? It's her job too, but we're but talking that's, about that, Bill. That's, that's what Bill, Bill does. Burr. Right, that's, that's fair. Bill you're does. right. I mean, he's the only person who can make fun of trans and you think it's funny. I mean, Dude, he just, he, told, he did a bit. Most about- didn't think it was funny, but it made me laugh. What I never said that. Why are you oh, throwing no, no. me under the I didn't mean that. I didn't mean why that. Why you me under the bur bus? What the hell's wrong <laughs> with you? I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. He did a bit about being no, you, against I- the military. That was. Have you heard it? No. It is He's- fucking genius. It is genius. I'm. 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 
purposefully wording it wrong so that you get to hear it out of Bill's word mouth the first time his own way. But it was genius. And I went, I've thought that. I've definitely thought what he's thinking. The thought idea he has, I've thought it, but I never thought of the way he's thinking it. Right. Like it's just – and I, was, I told Sarah that. I go, don't – but that's the thing about comics is that – I always like when that evergreen thing happened. I go, I got to hear the student's opinion first, right? Because I already know that opinion. I already agree with that opinion. But I guarantee you, you already is... agree with the that's bullshit opinion. Yeah, yeah. So let's find the articulated version of why you think that's is important. Yeah, Black Lives that's... Matters. I don't. I don't really have a view one way or the other with Black Lives Matters. But I definitely, I definitely understood the All Lives Matters. I was like, all right. I'll... This because my dad always called me an idiot. But I was like, I'm probably wrong about that. Let me go see like that. My dad, whatever I say to my dad, it was well, like, the, you're wrong. Go to your room until you figure out why you're right. And I, I mean, like, the, yeah, the argument with Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter is if, is they say, if you don't read Black Lives Matter as Black Lives Matter too, it's yeah. because it's because you don't want to because yeah. it's so obvious. It's it's so to any critical thinker looking at the black lives matter movement and thinking what they're saying is black lives matter and your life doesn't is wanting that to be the narrative that's true like they're, they're, the reality of black lives matter is that the reason that that organization exists is because they think it has to is because they think that there's a societal reality yeah. that is telling them and is evidenced by police violence that black lives matter that black lives don't matter as yeah. much as white lives do and if you argue the point where you go well they yeah but they're they're protesting cops and they want to kill cops no that no you're just taking the lowest bla- base of that idea it's not and saying i'll agree with them exactly in the opposite that's exactly right i'm not yeah and i don't think i i think that uh that you know, bl- you know, there's blue lives matter, right? The, which is the the police uh, saying police lives matter, and the evidence that police lives already matter greatly is that the worst crime that one can commit in our society is to is to kill a police officer. Yeah. That will get you the chair. That will immediately get you convicted. There is no worse crime in oh, society. Oh, I didn't know that. It's true, right? A cop killer, that's the worst thing. Literally the worst kind of murder is the worst thing you can do and the worst kind of murder is cop killing, right? Yeah. And so it's so blue lives already do matter and did matter mm-hmm. and should matter, right? Yeah. The cops are all important. That, all, okay, it's once again, it, someone was talking about uh I had a joke about uh, not wanting to hit my wife, uh, by not only because I've hit people and I've missed, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to miss hitting my wife. Like, <laughs> okay, it's just sure. enough out of you. <sighs> oh shit! And the, the only reason I, <laughs> the only reason I say that is I, because I like this line. I go, you got to Ray Rice my chick. If like you better not, <laughs> you sure. put her to sleep, pack and leave. And then someone's like, you should never hit a woman in the audience. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I go, but I go, how about this? Like, and this is my feelings. Shit, how about nobody hits nobody? Like, I don't like getting hit either. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I've, I've been beaten up and it really sucks. I agree with anyone. I would never hit a woman, but I also won't hit a man. So I was like, let's just stop hitting. Anyone who wants to hit people to solve solutions, let's get rid of them. Like, let's fucking make it so severe. What about your kids? Can you hit them? I will not hit my kids. That, that's me. You I'm, won't even spank them on the butt? I won't spank them. Because I got, I got I got spanked. I didn't like it. And how did, you just didn't like it, or do you I, think it, it fucked you it up? It humiliated me, and I was like, I don't, I don't like this relationship with me and my dad now that I'm humiliated. Oh, and then you got spanked years later by Paul F. Tompkins at the Improv. Fucking, <laughs> 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 he put you over his uh, neatly tailored knee. Dear Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> if you want to come on this podcast, there's an open invite. Uh, the caveat is I'd like to have drinks with you again, and I and then and that you have to like me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's quite <laughs> a caveat. Is you have to like, like you. Me. You're the Paul most likable guy. People always go. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. Paul's going to do this, the podcast. What do you wear? 
Do you put some shoes on? He put the three no, suit on. <laughs> Hello, Paul. Welcome to my man ca- I mean, my soiree, my library. He puts, library. Bo- he puts books up all over the place. Yeah. You're like taking hmm. down antlers and shit. But I'm, pulling out, I'm pulling out books that I think he went like, oh, Kafka. I haven't yeah. read this in a while. Yeah, he picks up. Oh, what did you think of the metamorphosis? What did you think? Oh, man. Yeah, that guy changed, huh? By the way, I couldn't, I couldn't name one Kafka book, and I'm guessing metamorphosis is a book. It is, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about a guy that turns it wakes up as a praying mantis. Yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah. Right? No wonder I never, I never read, read him. it. Yeah. So, I read the firm instead. The uh is that that's that's not Crichton. Crichton. Is. No, 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 no. Grissom, Grissom. Grissom, right. I read all his shit. Hey, Michael Crichton's the best one of the best storytellers that's ever lived. Um yeah, I would I would probably wear I would definitely not wear shoes. Uh Oh, you wouldn't put shoes on for him? No. I'm not putting shoes on for you guys, and I like you guys a lot. But you're not trying to impress us. I'm not trying to impress him. You're okay. not trying to impress anybody. I'm, not, sh- I'm done in trying to impress anybody. I, I'm in this That's business. That's a good place to be. It is such a great way to feel, like to go like I don't need this. I know, like I, I got, I can tour and do fine. I can do my podcast and get paid. I can do television if I want. I can do hosted reality for as long as I want. But I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool just like this. This this. For me and what I like doing, and, and that's just stand-up really, this conversation is more valuable than anything. I feel like it really allows someone like myself to have a somewhat of a small renaissance of ideas in their head. I it, agree. We're, you don't agree? No, I totally oh. agree. That'd be I, funny. Like, I don't like, agree I with your renaissance in your head idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a bad move. Well, aren't I we think, lucky we have each other? Yeah, I yeah. just feel like in the, the, there's a position I have literally zero respect for. Is the position that says, because you disagree with me, you're an idiot. It's like, right. that's such a fucking insane thing to think. Like, that there's nobody who's on an ideologically different island than you who's intelligent. Is so fucking stupid. Oh, you're an idiot if you think I, that. I said, I said one time, I said, if you're offended by anything I said tonight, come up and tell me why so I know why. And I can change my opinions or at least agree with you or disagree with you. I, that's what I'd like out of life. I want the opportunity to grow. I'm 44 and I... And I I feel like I'm just now getting the smartest I've ever been, you know? And so I'm like, which I guess would make sense. Well, what's happening now that's sad is the alt-right. People don't even care what the information is. It's just entertainment. You know, like that guy on your show who was like just spouting things. He had no idea. He was like saying the women's march. Like, how did the women take off work? And you were like, it was on a Saturday. But right. it's still just like entertainment for him to just be having these views. Yeah. But again, I, I, and I think you're right. But I also think that the left does the same thing. Is of course. It, I guess someone said seriously, and Siri just popped up. I'm sorry. Think, I think that you know what hap- has happened is as we've gotten further and further, like ideologically, like built into our sort of fortresses, that the only thing that matters is you've got a reality that you will will try to superimpose no matter what. It's not about exploring ideas; it's about trying to enforce your ideas, and I think that's what's happening. All over the political spectrum, and and I, you know, I keep saying like I think it's important for people to talk. But to be honest with you, I'm pretty pessimistic. I think we're past the point of talking, and I think that the I think the world's pretty split, and and won't ever come, won't ever get fused back together. I think this country, the, the ideological splits in this country are so deep that there's no hope. The only hope is to find people you love and and find people you like talking to that aren't insane, and just talk to them and be with them. Or even and, if they are insane, a little bit. Well, that's comedians. <laughs> Find people you love and be with them. So wait, let's get to the business before I let I kick you guys out and you go to your call. Uh, another period. Are you still doing them? 
Uh, yes, we're on season three. It airs, I think, early 2018, so February. It's one of the most impressive things. Thank in you. We have business. a lot of people from the state on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mike yeah. Lee and Black, David Wayne, Tom Lennon, as long as well as uh, Mike Lee and Black. Next, time, you, is on next it. time you see Mike Lee and Black, just be like, be dead serious. Don't let the joke go. Go. Are you really best friends with Bert? I always tell him if I ever run into any from the, anyone from the state, I always go, I'm going to tell them how close we are. And he's like, we're not that close. And I go, yeah, we're really close. He's so talented. I, I, love, I, love, I love that guy. He's have great. you seen our show? You have to watch him on it. He's amazing. Uh, I, he plays I, our butler peepers. My problem, my pro- yeah, I have seen that show. I, I actually have seen that show. Another period, uh, you know, it uh, takes place in 1902. It's the like- problem I have with Comedy Central right now is that I, I want to be able to see it quicker. Like, I... It was a week. Your show was a weekend before I fucking was on a plane listening to you. I think on Rogan maybe, and I was like, "Motherfucker, I've been missing a week of this." And so now you're on. Uh, you're on, and I'm going to put another period on my DVR okay, so it you. comes on. The point of the show, by the way, was to have conversations like this, uncomfortable, so uneasy good. conversations. So, so most of the show problematic. Uh, problematic. I think you could still buy it on iTunes. Yeah, it's out there. It's also on the Comedy Central app. And we're done with season one, and we started with cultural appropriation, something that nobody likes talking about, and ended with the alt right. That nobody likes talking about. <laughs> I don't know who our but demo yeah, but is. But you're so good at seeing both sides. I've I learned would... so much from coming to all the tapings. Yeah, it's thanks. Like very so enlightening. F- you're so quick, man. Thanks, like, dude. You're so quick. I, I watched. I forget the one with Hannibal, the Dark Web. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude. I then. I, by the way, I needed more explanation on the Dark Web because I I even looked for it. Like I was like, and I was like, I don't think I need to fucking. The reason you didn't learn from that episode how to get on the Dark Web is because it's Comedy Central. Uh, uh, or just forget it. I mean, the network people, <laughs> speci- like they're not going to be able to figure out what the network is. Anyway, specifically, we're like, don't inform people of the path to getting on the dark web. That's all I wanted. Even though, by That's the way, all I oh, they dark- took that out. Well, it was that was their one of their main notes was don't teach people how to get on the dark web. By the way, the dark web is legal. They can figure to be it out on, from watching your episode. And it's, it, no, they can't quite. <laughs> and I, I will tell. If I'll you're tell, a bro, you have a hard time. I'll tell you now. <laughs> You go because I don't think that the dark web is morally ambiguous. I think the dark web is uh, it is morally ambiguous. It's not bad. A lot yeah. of people think of the dark web. They think child pornography, which is obviously a horrible, disgusting thing. But it's just like the regular internet. You can find horrible, disgusting, awful things on the regular internet that should be outlawed, and you can find you know amazing things on the internet. So there's a lot of amazing things on the dark web. There's a lot of terrible things on the dark web. You are an adult. You can make your own decision. What you do is you go to you Google Tor browser, download T O R browser a totally legal thing browser. it's completely legal to be on tour in fact the government invented it the u.s navy invented the tour browser and there's a reason they haven't shut it down it's because they need it it's because people who are in regimes like north korea and china where they don't have an iran they don't have unfettered access to the internet are able to get online and actually communicate with the real rest of the real world by using the tour browser so you go to tour tor <laughs> browser at uh, uh, download. And also, you tell will... about our tour too. Right, but more importantly than the tour browser is uh, Natasha and I are going on tour together. We're we're doing the endless honeymoon. When tour. I was doing research for another period, I learned about this couple who went on a ten year honeymoon because they were so rich and they came back with four kids. So we're trying to do something like that. Right, so we are still continuing our honeymoon, and we're, we're starting going... in New Orleans, July nineteenth, and then we go to and then we go to Atlanta. I think ten different cities: yeah, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Miami. Chicago, Miami, New York, Boston, Montreal. Are you guys flying to each? Are you Check driving? our website. Uh, we're going to fly to each, I think. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to take my RV. See, I'm a bro, too. I wanted to take my RV, too. But the drive from here to New Orleans would have been a bit. Oh, that's a beach. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been really rough. too much. But, yeah, we're coming to a city near you. I'll promote this uh, tour 
coming up. I'm gonna. I'll, are the dates online? They're all online. July On 19th we start, and then we just go until basically August 6th, where and we end in Chicago. please buy the tickets in advance because things yeah. will sell out. Yeah, and and that and it helps us too when you get ticket counts to go. Oh, I have breathing room. Orlando's yeah, exactly. half sold. So um, I'll talk about this before people have heard this the second time. I definitely will talk about. I, I think by the way, our show has nothing to do with the alt right or ideological <laughs> castles in the sky. It's pretty much just a bunch of dick and pussy jokes and live relationship <laughs> counseling. This is going to be a great episode. When does it start? July 9th? July 19th. July 19th. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to throw this up today, I think. This Sweet. is a fucking great podcast. Thank you so much You're for the having best, us. No, any, I'm being dead serious. Anytime you want a podcast ever, 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 fucking this, uh, feel free. Just call me. I would, I'll would. i have you anytime. I'll have you day All on. All right. Yeah, let's do it. That's I want to smoke nice a cigar. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Right. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.